Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daydon Tolbert Show. I am your host, Daydon Tolbert. Tonight is a special, obviously, live edition or live Ask Daydon Advice edition of the Daydon Tolbert Show, where we're going to be focusing this evening exclusively on the George Zimmerman trial uh, leading up to the climactic not guilty verdict that came in late Saturday night. Obviously, this is a topic that has, you know, captured headlines around the world, certainly all over the country, and has been very weighed heavily on, you know, many people's hearts in in one way uh, or another. And so, let me just, you know, tonight's show is, amongst other things, but, you know, it's going to be, hopefully, an opportunity to have some closure uh, a lot of times when people, you know, they were listening to the verdict, they were following the case, and they were left with a lot of unanswered questions. They were left with why. You know, how could this happen? This is a travesty. This is a tragedy. You know, what what is the reason for this? What, I mean, how could anyone find George Zimmerman not guilty of what appears to be, what everyone is basically saying, was in fact murder. And so what we want to do this evening is look at it from a, in which what most people have not been doing, the media and, and you know, just individuals at, alike, we want to look at this situation from a purely objective, not subjective, but objective and legal perspective, Okay. And and I am a father. Let me just, if you're unfamiliar with me, I'm a father. I'm a black man. You understand? I have a family. But we're, I'm going to take myself out of daddy mode, you know, and I'm going to look at this situation from an, and have been looking at it from a, from a legal perspective, which I think is very, it's it's very hard to do. You know when you when emotions are involved, when there's death, when there's loss loss of life. But we're going to try this evening to, you know, like I said, be objective and look at the facts of the case, and try to answer some of these unanswered questions of why. And believe me, there are a lot of answers to that question. I'm not going to say rationalizations or justifications because to me. You know, I believe George Zimmerman to be wrong. Okay, let me just preface that from day one. I believe that, and I agree with a lot of people who have expressed their opinions, if he would have just stayed in the car, if he would not have followed him, Trayvon Martin would still be alive. Is that a fact? Absolutely. Okay, did George Zimmerman, in fact, I would be more I would actually be more in favor of a civil suit similar to the way that they did with OJ. OJ was found legally innocent for the crime of murder for the specific reason of reasonable doubt. However, he was found civilly liable for the deaths of those two people. You understand? See, a lot of people don't. They don't. They're not speaking and looking at it from a legal perspective. I believe that George Zimmerman. I, w- I would actually let me just say this. I think this is important within the context of where we're going to go tonight. I believe George Zimmerman is actually guilty of, or would be found guilty, or not guilty. That's a bad word, or an, an, an 
uh, not accurate word. I believe he would be civilly liable for the death of Trayvon Martin. I would support you know, him being financially responsible. But from a legal perspective, George Zimmerman committed no crime. And on tonight's show, we're going to explain why that statement is a fact. We're going to explain why there were no charges filed initially and what ultimately led up to the not guilty verdict. As always, this being the realest show in America, you guys are always welcome to call in, agree, disagree, indifferent, whatever, live, no screen calls. All I ask is that you conduct yourself in a respectful manner. I'll be respectful for you. You be respectful towards me, and we can have an intelligent discussion about what actually happened. Like I said, in the you know in the midst of from what we know about the incident leading up until the trial and ultimately the verdict. Courtney, as always, is here with me this evening. I'm excited. I said earlier that uh, you know this is our sixth year on the air. And well over a thousand shows at this point, I'm not sure that I've ever been more excited and more prepared to do a show than I am tonight. So I'm excited. Hopefully you guys are too. We're going to talk in a real way. Uh, Courtney, what's going on with you? You good? I am. How are you doing today? Oh, You you know I'm good, Courtney. You, you know <laughs> I've been looking forward to this for, for when, when did this whole thing, was it a couple of years ago now that this whole situation transpired? It was it was like a year ago, a little yeah, over I, a year ago. Yeah, a little a year and some change. And yeah. if you guys have been listening to the Dayton Tolbert show, you know regularly, you're you know a pretty faithful listener. You know, you know even going back to you know Morgan being on the air and, and Gerald uh, towards the end of uh, his time on the show. You know we've been talking about this this topic from day one. And ironically, interesting enough, I've been saying the same thing. Since day one, okay, and and so I'm, you know me, I keep it real. I don't, you know, I'm not one of those people who who goes with public opinion and changes and flip flops based on whichever. No, I'm I'm gonna speak my mind regardless who likes it, who doesn't, you know, and that's just where. So you know, if you scroll back through the archives, you will hear the same thing from day one that you're gonna hear tonight. We're just gonna be speaking about it from a, you know, like I said, from a very legal uh, legal perspective. Uh, but like I said, all calls are welcome uh, this evening. Real quick, just got to give a uh, – we haven't been live since, I think, last two, uh, Monday or Tuesday where we did our, our, our just crazy, crazy, um, long-talked-about and highly anticipated, anticipated special on aliens, UFOs, zombies, and what the Bible says about them. So I just want to give a quick shout-out to my homie, Minister Osho High, who came through on our last show – and really provided some of the most groundbreaking information from a biblical perspective that you will hear anywhere in regards to what the Bible says about certain things that we as humans call extraterrestrial, but we, as we determine, the Bible discusses it in a totally different manner. So definitely check out that show, and we'll be back live tomorrow night with the fellas from Barbershop Talk to talk about uh, summer, summer fashion faux pas. So definitely a lot going on here on the Dayton Tolbert Show. I'm excited. Courtney, are you excited? Yeah, you know I'm excited. Cool, cool. That's what's up, man. So let's jump right into it. You know, let's uh, let's get into it. And honestly, let me just, you know, I do this. If you guys uh, uh, caught last year's special that we did, we've done several specials like this, but most recently on the Troy Davis 
uh, execution last year. Um, and I, I, we did this then. I want to do it again today. Like I said earlier, any loss of life is major. It's important. It's a tragedy. So I just want to, because we're going to talk about some things tonight, but I just want to, it's important. I want to take a moment of silence just, you know, for Trayvon, you know, because I know people's hearts are hurting right now. You know, my heart hurt for Trayvon, you know, just an unfortunate situation. So I just want to honor him and have a a brief moment of silence, and then we're going to jump into uh, some things that have gone on. All right, guys, let's do it. Let's talk. Let's talk tonight. And again, six four six two zero 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 three six six. I I put up some uh, some posts and shout out to everyone who follows me on Facebook at Daydon Tolbert on Twitter at Daydon Tolbert. You know, add yourselves to the friends of the Daydon Tolbert Show group, like the fan page, all that good stuff. I've been talking about this issue through social media um, pretty consistently, and so there were you know every post I put up, you know, a lot of likes some disagreements, some very heated debates. I had to delete some people for being disrespectful. You know, I'll debate with anybody about anything at any time as long as it's done in a respectful way. So I had I lost some friends, which is okay. You know, we weed them out. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I want to go through some of these posts that were some of the more, you know, uh, detailed ones and were the ones that were a little bit more, you know, got people riled up. Um, and I just want to, I want to talk about it, you know. And, and this is one of the, and these are in no particular order, but, one of the things that I said was, and a lot of the things that I said were specifically directed towards us, towards us as a people. And real quick, shout out to Mike McFadden. Just, I didn't get a chance to promote it on my page like I normally do, but at about 8.25, I was a guest on the Mike McFadden show, which is based down in Atlanta. Shout out to him, cool people. I'm a regular on his show. We do a little Ask State on Advice segment about once a month or so. And we, he was talking about this, this topic as well, and, and I just got finished talking about a few minutes ago, right before we went on the air, about, you know, we as a people need to take responsibility for the way that we, for the lack of research and the way that we just jump on the bandwagon with whatever the media throws out there for us. It's like they throw us a bone, we jump at it. And I just got finished talking about the fact that if you look up, Gang violence in America, the vast majority of gang violence, I mean, everyone knows gang, it's not even really black on black. I mean, there's a lot of black on black, but there's a, there are thousands of black on Hispanic, black, you know, whether it's Mexican, Puerto Rican, whatever it is, Hispanic versus black gang violence where innocent people are killed literally every single day, thousands. You understand that? And this is a situation that... But because of the media's perception of it, said this was about race. Listen, guys, this was a situation that had nothing to do with race. George Zimmerman is a Hispanic man who mentored black children in the black community. This easily could have been a black man versus, you know, unfortunately killing Trayvon. This could have been a Mexican man. This could have been, I mean, so many different things. This was just a bad situation. It's only, it only went to trial. It only blew up the way it did because the media said this was a case of race. And the jurors, in fact, uh, right before tonight's show, the juror, uh, juror uh, what is it, B6, 
or no, I'm sorry, B-37. what is it? Your number six, yeah, B-37 uh, said that this case, none of them, none of the six jurors believed that race played a role in this issue, and I don't either. Okay? This is not a race. Black and Hispanic is not racism. Hispanics are allowed. Look, listen. If, you're, if you are allowed to use the term nigger or refer to someone as nigger, guess what? It ain't about race. Fat Joe can call someone a nigger if he wants to. Jennifer Lopez, hey, that's my nigger. It's not, you know, you may feel how you feel, but that's not race. If somebody says, oh, what's up, nigga, you know, that, and he's Puerto Rican, if he's Hispanic, if he's Mexican, that's not a race. If somebody white says that, yeah, okay, that's it's a problem. That's when it becomes a racial issue. But black on Hispanic is not, so that's the first thing. The media labeled George Zimmerman as a white man initially, and then it later became, oh, yeah, he's Hispanic, but they still ran with the whole race. I'm like, what do you mean? How are you going to switch it up and say he's Hispanic, but you still are marketing it as a race issue? That's why the black community jumped on board with it, because anytime we as a black community feel like we are being taken advantage of or oppressed in some way, oh, let's write, let's call Al Sharpton, let's call Jesse Jackson. This was not a race issue. So that's the first issue that I have as us as a people were irresponsible in researching the facts of the case. People will lie to you. People are opinionated about this. But people, the vast majority of people, have no damn idea what this case is even about. I have asked people. I'm like, you know, now we'll just be talking about, oh, what do you think about the trial? Oh, I, I don't know. I ain't been watching that. Like, what? Like, oh, okay. Oh, but you, I just was on your Facebook page. You... You, you know, you pretty, you seem pretty passionate about it. You know, you you, you cursing, you you know, getting all riled up, and if, if if he's found not guilty, you gonna do this, that, and the other. Like, but you you're that hype, but you haven't been watching the trial. Like you you haven't done any independent research on your own as to the facts of the case. How are you, and why are you so hype when you really don't even know? Who Rachel Gentile is You don't even know what the medical examiner Had to say You don't even know what the forensic port Indicated about how he was even killed How are you so hype How are you ready to ride and protest and boycott And you don't even, you haven't even been following the case How ignorant do you sound And that's to anybody And if you haven't been following it You haven't been following it But please don't be speaking uh, publicly and passionately, and you don't even know what the heck is going on. I mean, how passionate can you be if you have, don't even have the intelligence to go on Google and just research, hey, what actually happened? What You can't say this is murder, and you don't even know what constitutes murder. If I ask you what does stand your ground mean, you can't even tell me. And we're going we're gonna to define those tonight. We're going to define stand your ground, and we're going to define exactly what reasonable doubt means. Because a lot of people, you're going li- <laughs> to, like Kevin Hart, you're going to learn today. You know what I'm saying? You're going to learn what these terms mean. You're going to learn why he was found not guilty. And if you like it, you, you, know, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But you're going to get it from a legal perspective. What we're not going to do is what CNN and NBC and Facebook and Twitter and these Steve Harvey and Mike Bates and all these other people who are speaking from a purely emotional standpoint. 
That's what's been going on out here. Speak, people are speaking from emotion, and I get it. I understand it. Like I said, I'm a father. And let me just say this. Everybody, before y'all call in and ask me, and I've been hearing on Facebook, well, you're a father, and what if it was your son? What if it was your daughter? What would you do? How would you feel? Listen, if that was my daughter, let me tell you, just like Malcolm X said, I'm going and getting my my AR-15, I'm loading up 100 shots, I'm getting the pistol, I'm putting it on my waist, and I'm going to find George Zimmerman myself, and I'm putting a bullet right in him. That's me. George Zimmerman, I don't, I'm, if I'm in that courtroom, I would not be sitting there like Tracy. They would have to restrain me. They would kick me out the courtroom. If, that, if Trayvon was my son, if that was my daughter, George Zimmerman would no longer be on this planet or I'd be sitting in the jail somewhere. I promise you that. So that's how I feel as a father. You understand? I don't. I don't listen. I'm not, if if it was me, I'm, I wouldn't even be thinking from a legal perspective. I wouldn't even be thinking on that level. I'm, to, and, and to be real with you, and God, please help me, and God, please forgive me. I don't. I can't say with any level of realness that I would even be looking at the situation from a Christian perspective. I'm being honest with you. I I really am. You know, I love Jesus Christ. I love God. But if that would have been my daughter. All rules go out the window. So that's how I feel as a father. But I'm not speaking as a father right now. Okay? I'm speaking, again, not from an emotional standpoint, but from a purely legal perspective, which I believe is important to have those questions answered about why. Courtney, and I I apologize to you in advance. (laughs) You know, because I'm going to be talking tonight. I got some stuff to say. But what are your thoughts on this? Anything that did you want to touch on that I've uh, that I've uh, mentioned? Yeah, um, yeah. I just think um, just regarding just the whole case. You know, yes, this is it's unfortunate. You know that he was killed. I mean that that is very sad. Um, I don't want to take away from that. But what I will say is what made me, like, just irritated was everyone's reactions. I shouldn't say everyone's, but a lot of um, people's reactions to the verdict, um, just really angry. And But the thing is, like you said, they were angry, but they didn't even follow the case. You know, people are ready to riot. You know, people are ready to call Al Sharpton, and they don't even have the facts. And these are the same people that, you know, it's crime going on in their community, and they don't do anything. They they just keep going on with their lives. But when they see something televised, then it's like everyone wants to be, you know, come together. But the reality is we can call on Al Sharpton, we can call on Jesse Jackson and do all of that, but those same people that are bandwagoners and, yeah, you know, justice for Tra- Trayvon, when this all just rolls over, you know, they're going to forget about it and they're going to go on with their lives as if this had never happened. So I just want to say people just need to stop fronting and just really be real about it. If you are emotional and, you know, you are angry, then you should be. But most importantly, if you have those feelings, do something about it. Do something to change your community. Don't just do it for the moment. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Troy Davis, you know, that was the hot topic you know who people I posted my my the archives of my interview from the Troy Davis special that we did similar to the what we're exactly what we're doing now breaking it down fact by fact by fact and talking about exactly why he was executed and how he was not innocent you know i mean in regards to the law 
And so we we did that, and we're gonna do we're gonna do the same thing tonight. Just you know, and we're gonna go a little bit deeper, a lot deeper. Again, six four six two zero 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 three six six. Hit the number one on your keypad. This case was not about race. It was about whether or not. Now let me just. I want to define something. It was about self defense. Okay, this case was about self defense, and whether or not it should have been. Uh, and whether or not that's applicable. Let me explain something to you guys. If 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 you if I'm attacked, let's just say hypothetically I'm attacked, and I shoot someone. It's that you know, and I claim self-defense. I don't have to prove that it was self-defense. The prosecution, or it initially, not even the pro, before they even get involved. The, the the police department has to find evidence that contradicts what I am saying, okay? That's before charges are even filed. You know, sometimes there's a shooting, they're like, okay, the, 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 the police have decided not to press charges. No, no charges will be filed. They have to go off of my story and the story of eyewitnesses. And based on the, a combination of the evidence and the story and what I'm claiming – they have to disprove whether or not it was, you know, the fact that I'm saying it's self-defense. Now, the problem with this case is that in that case, George, there was a shooting. George Zimmerman said, hey, look, this is what happened, okay? This is why it happened. And I'm just, now again, we're going to get into whether he was lying or something, but again, they have to find evidence to disprove what he's saying. Well, let's look at the evidence. Unfortunately, there is no evidence, right? I mean, there were no witnesses at at the time. You know what I'm saying? They were going off of the fact that no one actually saw what happened. Now, there was a witness who came out during the trial who testified that he saw, you know, the incident but couldn't really make out, you know, who was on top, but I saw what he was wearing, and it was like, okay, I mean, like, what, it was raining outside, I mean, you weren't an eyewitness, you kind of just, you saw a little something, you know, you heard some things, you heard gunshots, you heard screaming, and then there was a question about, well, who was it screaming, was it Zimmerman, was it not, and that was it, you know, and then obviously the forensic evidence came about, but even the forensic evidence did not, you know, it it didn't it didn't disprove what George Zimmerman was saying. These are facts. There was and that and that, ladies and gentlemen, understand again from a legal perspective and specifically from a police perspective, that's their job is to say what evidence can we find that proves to us what you are saying is a lie or is incorrect or happened differently from what you say. The police department did an investigation. They even got, you know, the prosecution to really look at all the evidence. That's why it took so long, because they wanted to make sure they got it right. And, I mean, certainly after all that time, even before the media jumped on board, these prosecutors, listen, they don't get all, they don't get anything by not following charges, or excuse me, filing charges. Anyone who knows Prosecutors, district attorneys, assistant district attorneys, they make their reputation by prosecuting murder cases. Every district attorney loves a, a, a case, you know, like a, a slam dunk case, as they call them. 
that's not something that they would want to just like this ain't no good old boy, you know, no white boy, no rich, you know, white Protestant. Like, no, this is George Zimmerman, Hispanic. They don't give a damn about no Zimmerman. He ain't white. I'm just being real with y'all. This ain't, you know, uh, you know, one of the Clintons or one of the Kennedys or something like that. The Bushes, something like that. one of their long lost relatives. No, this is George Zimmerman, a, you know, a Hispanic, you know, kid. This is nobody. Okay, so they would have prosecuted him in a second if there was a case. And the only reason why it took so long is because there was no evidence, and they knew they had no case. Let me tell you something that you may not know. I'm going to tell you guys something that you may not know. And again, let me just explain something to you all. Like I said, I have been watching this from day one. I watch CNN, like my television set, and that's just as of late, my television set rarely goes off of CNN. Like I just like watching, knowing what's going on around me. So, you know, whether it was the Boston bombings, you know, 9-11, I mean, that's just what I do. I like, you know, researching. I like looking at at facts and and just looking, knowing what's going on in detail. Not speculation, but I want to know for myself what happened. So I do a lot of research. So my point is I've watched this from day one. Every news conference, every announcement, every you know, uh, you know, uh, development, major development, I've followed it. Now I know a lot of people haven't kept up with it, but I'm just saying I have. So just know when you when you hear me speak, understand. I know what I'm talking about. I've researched this stuff, and what happened is, like I said, the the police department was was trying to figure out and decide whether or not they should file charges. They made their decision. The decision was made not to file charges based on the fact that they could not disprove what George Zimmerman said happened. That decision was made by the police department. Only after the NAACP and the media really decided this was going to be about race and you know people started becoming outraged is when they brought in a special prosecutor to to determine you know uh you know what 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 can be done so that we can Take this to the next level. What can be? What can happen? You know, how can we move this forward? So uh, the chick, what Angela Corey Courtney was that name? Uh, yeah, Angela. Yeah, Angela. You know, uh, Corey. She basically was a, a special prosecutor who they brought in to to, and she basically took control of the whole case. Initially, she opened up the case and said, "All right, it's going to go to the grand jury." You know we're gonna we're gonna get the grand jury. The state got involved, so we're gonna we're gonna let this case be heard in front of a grand jury to determine whether or not charges should be filed. We're gonna reopen the case and take let them take a look at it. Before that even happens, they got they got word that that ain't gonna work. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're gonna come back with the same decision based. There's no evidence, so they're they're gonna say the same thing. The police department. So what they did was they said, look, let's bring in this special prosecutor. And we're going to give you total control. You do what you want to do. So she comes in, and she decides, based on her own uh, her own decision making skills and you know what I'm saying authority, I'm going to fi- I'm going to try this case. This is going to trial. We're going to charge this guy with with uh, second degree murder. That was a deci- understand what I'm saying to you. The police found no evidence. They took the the grand jury was going to find no evidence to go to trial. The state said there was no evidence. Every so so what they did, they said, look, if you want to do it, you do it. But it's on you. 
she said, I'm going to do it, and that's when they had that press conference. I don't know if you guys saw that. And she said, based on, she didn't even, <laughs> here's the thing. She didn't even give any evidence. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I saw the press conference. She, and Google it. Go on YouTube. She didn't even, they said, well, you know, what evidence, like, were you able to find that the police department couldn't find? Like, what, what has changed? And clearly she didn't want to say, well, honestly, I want to be judge one day. Honestly, I want to be mayor or governor one day. So I'm just, there is no evidence. So I'm just going to go ahead and do, and do this just for the heck of it. She didn't want to, you know, based on media pressure and pressure from everybody, I'm going to do it. She couldn't say that. So what she did say is that, you know, we have found additional evidence, right, but that evidence is going to be presented during the trial. So, and that's pretty much what happened. You know, she decided that this was either make this was either going to make or break her career. She rolled the dice, and unfortunately she lost. And if you notice now, you know, when she realized how bad the trial was going and how horrible the prosecution's case, she was on the news every day. She was the fr- the front person for it. But after she saw what was going on, Courtney, you didn't see her face not once during the trial. She was nowhere to be found. Did you notice that? <laughs> no, no. Wow. She was nowhere to be found. They kept showing that <laughs> black lawyer for the family, and they kept showing the prosecutors who were actually trying the case. But the pro- the one, you know what I'm saying? She wanted the credit. And if they if this case would have gone differently, she would have had interviews with her. They would have even probably had her cross it. They would have had her doing all types of stuff in front of that camera. But she, <clears throat> excuse me, she knew that it wasn't going the way they, it, they, they wanted it. They knew there was no case. And so that's what that happened. So that's Angela Corey is her name. Google her, look her up. Uh, and that's that's how that went. So I just I just want to lay the, ground, the, the groundwork, the foundation for what happened leading up until this case even going to trial. Okay? Now, one of the things I said on Facebook, I said was, and I'll just read it verbatim, I said that anyone who's familiar with the legal system and has been watching the trial should be able to see that even though the prosecution rested their case yesterday, it's clear that they have not met their burden of proof. I said it's interesting to see how people have so much to say before the trial but are totally disinterested in keeping up with the actual facts that are being presented. And that's the thing. I mean, if if anyone has been watching the trial, which I was, it would literally be impossible to say with any level of intelligence, wow, they sure hit that out the park. They slam dunked that case. The prosecution blew it. I mean, there was no case. I mean, they blew it, but there was no case to begin with. But even in the midst of the fact that there was no case, they blew any chance that they even had of squeaking out a, a, a conviction. Because you know, you can convict somebody with no case, but you no, know, as, as has happened before. But they stay blew it. So I'm just telling y'all, if y'all want to be mad at somebody, be mad at that bald-headed dude, the prosecutor, who blew it. You put an illiterate woman on the stand and call her your star witness, and she gets up on the stage and on, on the stand and lies. She's been caught in, you know, in lie after lie after lie the entire time. You can't say this is my star witness, okay, and the whole, my whole case basically rests on someone who the jury can't even understand, someone who has been lying. Someone who has an attitude, someone who is being a hostile witness. Yes, sir. No, sir. 
You got that? It's like, yo, like, what? Are you okay? Like, what is? What's the? You know what I'm saying? So, again, all of these things. In fact, and I'm skipping around, but we're gonna get into the facts of the case. But if you guys caught the CNN interview, they were asking, they're like, well, what? What led to your decision? What? What did you think about the witnesses? And the juror was like, yo, she wasn't credible. And Anderson even he wanted to be clear. He was like, well, what do you mean by that? Like. What do you mean she she like elaborate on that a little bit? She was like she wasn't believable. She's you know I didn't we didn't believe her. She wasn't credible. She was lying. You know I mean and so you can't have a star. I'm just being I'm just helping you guys understand like you can't have a quote unquote star witness that the entire CNN said all throughout the trial the entire case basically rests on her because she's as close to a star witness or excuse me an eyewitness. As they're going to get. Obviously, Trayvon Martin is dead. So she's like as close as you, you know what I'm saying, as you get. And she's she's lying and presented herself in a manner in which none of the jury members believed her. She, the jury even said, none of us believed her. Listen, if we could end the show right now, understand what I'm saying to you. If your star witness is being perceived by a liar... By the jury, that means there's reasonable doubt. That's, I mean, that's just, you know, that's how I don't know how that could be more clear. Corey, I mean, I'm just asking, is there is there something confusing about that? Like, because people are outraged and saying, why, why? What do you mean? The star witness lied and was a liar, and, and you know, what I'm saying, and was not believable to the jury. How is that a questioner as to how he was found not guilty? Right, because um, she, she, I, I saw, I, I caught, um, caught up on, you know, some of the recaps, and I saw her testify, and yeah, it was ridiculous. I know she lied about her whereabouts um, of that that night, um, and she just had the worst attitude. It's just, it did absolutely nothing for the case. Usually, you know, when you have a star witness, you know, they're support, they're supposed to give some type of credible account, but she she couldn't even do that and it really it it really hurt the case on top of um the prosecution's um you know, poor way of convincing, you know, the jury on top of that. It just nothing helped, but really she she really didn't. I think if she had cooperated, I still think the verdict would have been the same, but it would have been a little bit better. Maybe the jury would have thought about the decision a little bit longer. Yeah, the problem with it is is that, like you said, I mean, I said on day one, I mean, the moment this happened, I said this is not going to be, um, a guilty verdict. It's just there's no case. There's the case. It's it's if you know anything about the law, like I've watched all these legal shows and I've studied law and I mean my whole life. And I'm just saying it's if you know anything about the law and just police work, it's very very difficult to try a case where you have you know I mean it's, where there's no witnesses, no eyewitnesses. There's no murder weapon, and when I when I say murder weapon, I'm, I know there was a murder weapon here with George Zimmerman, but I mean uh, no murder weapon in that, you know, it's it's a question of how the crime was committed, you know, and when you when that's the case, it's very hard, it's very difficult to convict beyond a shadow of a doubt. You know what I'm saying? The fact that there were debates, the fact that we're even doing this show, 
in talking about this from an intelligent perspective and a legal perspective, this whole thing is a reasonable doubt. There's no. Uh, it's like the question of did Zor, who threw the first punch? Was, did, was Trayvon on top or was Zimmerman on top? Was he shot out of self-defense or did he stalk him down and kill him in cold blood? That's a question. And if nobody was there to answer that question definitively, beyond a shadow of doubt, then that's reasonable doubt. Right? I mean, and that's just, that's just how it is. No one was there to see what happened. Now, we can, there's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of, hey, this is what I believe happened. This is what most likely happened. But there's been no facts. I mean, how could there be? Right? I mean, there, there was no witnesses. There, no one knows. And God rest his soul, Trayvon is the only one other than Zimmerman to be able to say what actually happened. And if anything, Rachel Gentile, she basically confirmed George Zimmerman's story. If you guys have been watching the trial, she, her, the jury even said it. They were like, we believe what she, her testimony basically caused us to believe George Zimmerman's story. She just said that on CNN less than an hour ago. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, and again, I'm no George Zimmerman fan, but I, I do enjoy studying the law. And you have to, if you're going to talk about a trial, right? I mean, well, this isn't a movie. We're not debating a book or a story. This is, I mean, we're debating life and real life. You have to look at it from a legal perspective. Especially, I mean, especially if you're talking about fairness, especially if you're going to send a man to jail for his whole life, you got to get it right. You got to look, you owe it to yourselves, you owe it to, you know, him, you owe it to Trayvon to look at it from the, from a legal perspective, from a factual perspective, and at least to take it seriously. You know, don't just say justice, 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 but you aren't, you don't even know what justice means. Now, let me say this about that. The legal system in this country is not designed for us. Everyone, I mean, it's it's weird. It's like every time something like this happens, you know, people get up there and they say, justice, justice, justice. Listen, if there was justice, there would be no slavery. There would be no uh, 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 affirmative action. If there was, I mean, we could go, I could go on all day. So, there would never have been the civil rights movement. There would be no Martin Luther King. People wouldn't care that Barack Obama is black. If this was equal, if this was, you know, if there was justice, if things were fair. But, I mean, newsflash, people, we don't live in a fair country. This country is not just designed for white people, but it's designed for the rich, upper-class people who just happen to be, in most cases, white. So, I mean, it's not, you know, it's one of those situations where it's like you shouldn't be surprised when, when you know, stuff like this happens, you know, or that when the media presents stuff like this, because this is just the, the, the law, that the land that we live in. Now, if you want things to be more equal, America is the most racist country in the world. If you want to be, if you want to, you know, be treated differently, I mean, move to France, you know, move to the Caribbean somewhere, move to... I mean, I don't even know where you want to move to. Move to one of these third world countries where things are just different, where racism is not as prevalent as it is here. Go move to Japan. Go move to China. They love black people over there. Things will be more equal. But because we all have a choice of whether or not to live in America, 
which again is the most racist country and has always been and always will be, this is what we deal with. Now, am I saying that things are not cannot change? No, absolutely they can. Are they going to? No, they're not. I'm just being real with y'all. They're not going to. This will always be racist. Things will always be unfair. We will always be viewed as second-class citizens. I don't care how many black presidents we have, how many Martin Luther King Jr.'s there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it will always be unequal. Do I like that? No, absolutely not. Should we continue to fight? Absolutely. But please do not deceive yourselves into thinking that we have already succeeded, that things have now become equal because we have a black president or because it's 2013. That's just not the case. All right? Let's talk about let's talk about some of these other posts. And again, a little bit later, we're going to talk about the facts of the case. And then about um, be patient. Like I said, I'm going to take all calls tonight. You don't have to worry about that. But I want to get some key points out before we open up the phone lines. Look, look to uh, get all your questions and comments formulated around 10 o'clock. We're going to be going right to the phone lines and do as many calls as we need to do. I promise you that. Six four six two zero 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 three six six. I just want to get a couple key points out before we open up the phone lines because I suspect this is going to be one of those nights we have some uh, a whole bunch of calls. One of the things I want I said uh, just to kind of go in a little bit of a different direction before we get into the actual facts of the case. As I said on Facebook, and this got you know a lot over well over a hundred thumbs up. I said tonight on Saturday night before you go to bed, pray for the family of Trayvon Martin. Because that's what's important. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we can talk about it from a legal perspective all day long, but at the end of the day, a young boy lost his life, a mother no longer has her son, a father no longer has his son. That is sad. I don't care how you, you look at it. That's just a tragedy in and of itself. It did, it did not have to happen. Uh, it should not have happened. It could have been avoided. George Zimmerman, as I said earlier, if you missed it, I believe, to be responsible uh, for the death of Trayvon Martin for the sole fact that he pursued it and was the aggressor in the situation. He could have just minded his damn business, and this whole situation would have been avoided. That is a fact. I have no respect for George Zimmerman. I am not a fan of George Zimmerman. I want to make that perfectly clear. You understand that? If I, w- I would absolutely support, as I said, a civil $2 million, $10 million, whatever they want to get from him and his family, sue him up, and I believe they will win because if he, he's responsible for that death. Now, that being said, again, from a legal perspective, this was not murder per se. Okay? Nothing about this case says murder. Okay, I mean, if you know anything about what it means, you know, first-degree murder, second-degree murder, which most people don't, you know what I mean? Let's just let's just be real about that. Most people have no idea between the difference between first-degree murder and second-degree murder and manslaughter. Most people are ignorant as crap and have are and are the most vocal, but are just ignorant and dumb as a doorknob and have never read a book in their life about the law and have no idea what the heck they're talking about. I've had so many debates, and people are just extremely ignorant. You know what I'm saying? Let's just be clear about that. Have no idea what they're talking about, but will try to argue you down. I, I, I encourage anyone to call in and have a legal debate with me. You know what I'm saying? You know, all that Facebook stuff, call into the show, and, and I, I can guarantee you probably will leave 
you know, not really looking in the most intelligent manner because nothing about this case was second-degree murder. Anyone who's intelligent and knows the law, not emotion, but the law, clearly was not, was not second-degree murder, which was ludicrous. If anything, and, this would, and that's, again, that's why he was not guilty. If anything, it would have been manslaughter. If anything. Certainly, I mean, to to go for second-degree murder was just, in, I mean, lawyers were even looking at, like, what, what the heck are they, t- what are they doing? This is ludicrous. Clearly was not murder. I mean, it's, like, ridiculous to even think that this would be second-degree murder and not manslaughter, if, if anything. So that's the first thing. It was ludicrous. That's how people in the legal world and the law world were looking at this case. And the media knows that. And they're irresponsible. They were they were acting like they didn't know. They were act they weren't even talking about the ridiculous nature of this case and how it was clearly not reason I mean uh second degree murder. But because they, they wanted to hype it up, they wanted to get advertising dollars. CNN wants you glued to their TV screen so you can see their Mercedes Benz commercials and these these uh you know PNC Bank commercials and all these high priced corporations that pay for advertising time because they know you're gonna watch night in and night out. That's that's what this is all about. It's about advertising dollars. You know, people don't realize that. Now, here's the thing. Now, again, but I was saying, pray for the Martin family, though. But I said, don't forget the families of these young black men killed out here in the streets by these other black men for no reason. How can we be so riled up? When you guys are who all are on my, fa- my my page and you guys who listen to this show, you know my friend was killed. You know what I'm saying? You know Virgil. You listened to him for almost a year on this show, hosting with me, was murdered in cold blood by a white man down there in Colorado, in cold blood. Now, now this, now I'm, not, I'm just being honest with y'all. Excuse me if I feel some type of way, you know what I'm saying, because I know, and I'm just using him as an example, but I know and you guys know who heard the show and who knew him, that Virgil was actually a nice guy. Virgil was actually a Christian man who loved Jesus Christ and was passionate and did everything that I do, you know what I'm saying, gave advice, was passionate about finding a wife and was just an overall great man. And was murdered in cold blood by a, a, a racist white man. So excuse my, you know, uh, uh, I guess what may be perceived as unsensitivity or insensitivity, because you know what I'm saying when you see someone like a Trayvon who 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 where it's not even a slam dunk case as to whether or not it was even murder. Virgil was murdered in cold blood, no question. You understand that? And and so the media jumped over this like, like it was some type of big thing where this type of thing happens every day is my point. You understand that? This happens every day. And and so I'm saying, while I say, yes, honor the family of Trayvon, pray for the family, but let's not act like these things do not happen every day. And I said earlier on, online a couple of days ago, I said, look, do not, please do not, get all up in arms and ready to protest and ready to riot when when you are cool with and have sex with in many cases and play basketball with and break bread with actual people who you know sell drugs, who you know have killed people, 
who you know see, you see those teardrops on their eyes. That ain't no beauty mark. That means they've killed someone. If you know someone in the gang, and you, you know what I'm saying? Like you know there's a drug dealer right on your corner. You want to go down to City Hall and protest Trayvon, and you want to throw on a hoodie, but to get to City Hall, you got to walk by someone who you know is selling drugs, who you know whose dope is killing kids and causing them to overdose. You have the audacity to protest anything when you won't even protest what's going on on your own block. You you won't protest the drug dealers and the hookers and hoes selling ass on the corner on your block, but you'll protest Trayvon, but you won't you won't you you want to stop snitching. You know a little girl who got killed and you know who killed him by a stray bullet, but you won't say anything to the cops because you don't want to be a snitch, but you want to protest Trayvon. Come on, man. And these thugs out here, they, you guys know what's up, man. Y'all know the code of the streets. And I'm not knocking it. I know it too. And I probably wouldn't snitch either. But I'm just saying. It is what it is. Don't don't be hypocritical. You know what I'm saying? Don't be out here saying, oh, he's this and he's that. When you're, you're harboring felons. You have felons in your family who you won't turn in. You won't protest their illegal behavior. But you want George Zimmerman to go to jail for the rest of his life. But you, you yourself are a criminal. You know what I'm saying? You actually sell drugs. I was in a barbershop debating the other day. Niggas, freaking drug dealers. Talk mad as hell about trade. I'm like, yo. <laughs> like, my dude, yeah, you, you are a criminal. How you want him to go to jail for something where it's not even a question, but, but you are running from the cops now. You got warrants. I'm just, I'm just saying. Courtney, is that not a little backwards? It is, and that's the part that is so irritating to me. It really is every time, you know, things of this nature happens or alleged hate crimes happen, that's when you see us, you know, really getting up in arms and just really, you know, rioting and getting into arguments with people. And it just it doesn't make sense. And like I said before, when this is all, you know, over and when people forget about it, you know, it's not they're not going to have that same passion. It's really just for the moment and just doing it because everybody else is upset. You know, I just really question the sincerity of the emotion for a lot of people. Absolutely. I question it too. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about niggas out here. And we, you know, I said something about that online. I said before the verdict. Because, like I said, I already knew this. You guys saw my post. You follow me. I said before the verdict even came out. This is documented right on Facebook. You know, you know, I've been talking about this for months now, years. I said black people. I said regardless of the verdict, don't go out here and act like niggas. I said that well before the verdict was was even announced because I knew what was coming. People talking about rioting and boycotting. I'm like, yo, don't be a nigga. You know what I'm saying? And when I that's why I specified. I said, uh, you know, I clarified and specified black people versus niggas. There are a lot of positive black people out here who who respond to things and react to things in an intelligent, mature, lawful, and peaceful manner. And then you got your niggas. You know, and so I'm saying, don't be like that. Now, one of the things that I had, a, uh, I definitely took exception to, was I said online, I said, how are you going to protest the Trayvon case, and you don't even know where your kids are right now? I said there are fathers out here who haven't paid a dime since their child was born, 
And we have mothers out here who are more concerned with getting their next piece of penis. We'll say penis, but I think you know what, what I really want to say, right? Y'all, that's what y'all are more concerned about. Then you are make then you're more concerned about that than you are making sure your child's homework is done. So what I said was, on a large scale, was stop worrying about other people's kids when your house is in disarray. You know what I'm saying? I mean, honestly, seriously. I don't want to hear nothing from you when you're on Facebook with your titties out. You taking ass shots in one picture, but you got three kids who are going to look up to you and be like, Mommy, why are you a hoe? Oh, Mommy, I love Beyonce. I want to be bootylicious like her. Let me show off my thighs. It's ridiculous. They're learning that from you. So I don't want to hear nothing about no Trayvon when you can't even, you got your kids walking around, no haircut, no shirt on, you know what I'm saying, looking dirty, can't even talk, growing up to be ignorant, you know what I'm saying, growing up to be niggas. You got niggas raising little niggas, little nigglets, and that's the real reason why society is jacked up. That's the real reason why Trayvon Martin was on Twitter with his with his handle, his his username, no limit nigga. Right? Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about this little kid, what, sixteen years old, however old he was, smoking weed online and uploading the pics, had damn marijuana in his system. I ain't smoked marijuana a day in my life. You got little kids smoking weed. Putting their middle fingers up at the camera. I ain't never done that. And none of this has any, let me just be clear, none of this has anything to do with why he was killed. Understand that. I'm not, don't, you know, don't be psychos and try to link the two. That, these are, I'm talking about two different things. What I'm talking about is I don't want to hear no complaining. You know what I'm saying? Look at y'all, y'all making me talk like I'm a nigga. I said, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to hear any complaining when your house is not in order. That's what I'm saying. Don't worry about Trayvon when your kids could be the next Trayvon. If your kids are acting like niggas, which Trayvon was doing? I mean, let's, let's you know, God rest his soul. But understand, that's the evidence they didn't want to be put into the trial because they didn't want to sway the jury and be like, wait a minute, this wasn't the nice little you know, 10-year-old kid that whose picture they were shown. No, this was one of those guys that when y'all walked down the street tonight, you most likely would have been afraid of. I mean, let's, let's see, this is, see, this is the Dayton Talbert This ain't no Michael Bazin. This ain't no Steve Harvey where we're just going to appease the masses and, t- and tell y'all what y'all want to hear. Because that's the truth is that the vast majority of people, go walk out your house right now. What time is it? It's about 10 o'clock here in Philly. Go walk out your house right now. And you tell me if you see a little kid, a black kid with a hoodie on, if you ain't crossing the street or clutching up your pocketbook or locking your car doors. If you say you wouldn't, you're a damn lie. You're a damn lie. Everyone wants to talk about, I got pulled over yesterday for being racially profiled. Why? Was it? I had my daughter in the backseat. That's probably the only reason they let me off. Because I blatantly ran a light. I definitely did. It was raining. I you know, was got caught right in the middle. I was like, ah, what the heck? I'm just going to go. They got me. Woo! The only reason they let me go with no ticket is because I was respectable or respectable and respectful, and most likely because my daughter was in the back seat with me. That's the only reason. Otherwise, that ticket would have been came out. What? I'll, I'll get to my point. You'll hear what I'm saying in a minute. 
The reason is, guys, we have to take responsibility for our children. It takes a village to raise a child. My grandfather told me back in the day, you will not be out here looking like a nigger. My father would have punched me in my face if I ever was out here looking like a nigger. My mom would have picked up whatever she could get her hands on if she ever saw me acting like a nigger. No limit nigger. Smoking weed, middle finger up at the camera, cussing chicks out, talking about what you would do sexually. These, go research this stuff. I've researched it all. Look at this. They all, it couldn't be authenticated. It was authenticated. Stop it. Just stop it. You know what I'm saying? Stop the lies. Stop the game. Stop the BS. Okay, we have to do better as a community. We have to raise our children not to, you know what I'm saying, not to punch first and ask questions later. We're going to get to the facts. But there's some things that need to be said about the state of the black community. They, they, they ran Bill Cosby out of Hollywood and out of the black community because he did nothing but tell the truth. Well, damn it, I'm going to tell the truth too. There's some serious problems in the black community with parents and with our kids. We have way too many niggas and too, far too few positive young black men who are carrying themselves as upstanding members of this community. I will raise my daughter to respect herself. If I had a son, you know, I would he would respect authority, he would respect adults. He would not be online calling himself no limit nothing. He would not be smoking weed. These parents need to have a positive I couldn't even wear my excuse me, these kids need positive role models. I couldn't even wear my hat turned around backwards. You understand that? My mom said, we, you have to be different. My father said, you have a higher standard to uphold. Trayvon Martin, unfortunately, did not have that standard. I don't blame Trayvon. I blame Tracy. You understand that? There's been relatively no conversation about the type of father this man was and the role he played in Trayvon's life. I've done some research on it. it it's not a pretty picture. All you see is that somber look of him sitting in the courtroom, and as he should have that. His son was killed. But let's go a little bit deeper. Let's, let's look at, you know, what role he played in Trayvon's life. He wasn't in his life like that. These kids need fathers. You single moms out there, these kids need fathers. They need father figures. It's not okay to let these kids grow up without a father. You understand that? And I'm not, you know, some of these situations, I'm not saying it's your fault. Some of these bastards out here, these men, they just don't want to step up. But in many cases, they do. And because he doesn't want to be with you, you say, okay, you don't want to be with me. Well, I'm not going to let you see your son. That's not cool. You understand that? We're seeing a rise in these niggas out here because we're seeing a rise in the separation of these black families. These black families are being separated, and that is the design. We talk about it all the time. It goes back to slavery. You take the black man out of the home, you put the wife in the whorehouse, and these kids are left to fend for themselves, and the black family is now, you know, separated. That, that's what they did in slavery. They put the black man in chains. They put the, the wife, the mother in the field, the cotton field. They put the kids to work. Black families no more Separate, divide and conquer That's what we're doing now They're just only difference is They're using Jay-Z They're using Beyonce 
They're using this music. They're using the, the school system. They're using the, they're using the incarceration system, the prison system, you know, to separate us. Same thing. You put the black man in change. Or, or look at the prison system. Look at these strip clubs. You know, you got, you know, the most influential woman in the world telling, telling black women to be whores. Same what they do in slavery. They made the black women whores. Same thing. How do you get black women to be whores, just like we did in slavery? Well, you give them an idol who's a whore. You know, Google Beyonce. You'll see all those whorish pictures. You give you know people like that. So I'm just saying, this is what we need to do better of as a community. And hopefully you won't have these types of situations happening again. All right? I said around 10 o'clock we're going to go to the phone lines, which we're about to do. And then we can go ahead and get into the facts of the case. And before we do that, I'm going to define... For the people, what it means to to have reasonable doubt and exactly what stand your ground actually means. Six four six two zero 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 three six six. We're talking all night long. If we got to go till midnight, we'll go till midnight. If we got to do a part two, we'll do a part two. But all calls will be taken. All we'll talk about everything. Understand that, guys? Let's go to the lines. I see a call in line from four one two four one two. Welcome to the Data on Tolbert Show. Are you there? Four one two four two zero. Got some. All right. You already know, Courtney. I don't even need to say. Uh, see another call on the line from the three eight six area code. Welcome to the Data on Tolbert show. Yes. Hello. Good evening, Data on. This is Andrea. Hi, Courtney. Hey. Um, I'm sorry about last night. I didn't know. You gotta understand something, okay? I'm from New York City. Okay, Sean Bell, Amadou Diablo. Um, all these different people were killed in New York City, where I'm from. Nobody protests New York City. People are being killed in Chicago, black-on-black crime, D.C., Chicago, Baltimore, every day. Miami, well, well, let's exclude Florida for a minute, okay? And nobody's protesting, don't go to Chicago, don't go to New York, don't go to L.A., don't go here, don't go to Philly. But everybody's coming down on Florida for some strange reason. And I just put that up there on your page just to show you, like, this is what people from my New York page is saying, you know, boycott Florida and everything. Now... I'm listening to everything that you're saying about the case and your position on everything, and I I have to respect what you and Courtney are saying. Because now it's hard when, like, you're typing. It comes, of course, better when you're speaking your views than typing views because it it gets misconstrued the wrong way. You understand? Absolutely. So, So what I'm saying is, you know, I agree with you both, with you and Courtney both 100%. Um, I just don't like, like I said, you know, I go to New York every year, crime, stuff happens up there. Stuff happens in Chicago, black-on-black crime, and nobody goes out to say, well, boycott Chicago, uh, boycott Philly, boycott New York. But Florida, they're coming down hard and not understanding, not understanding. You know, we got more New Yorkers, more people from up north all over the country here in Florida now anywhere else in the nation. And then I'm going to send you something tomorrow. Or, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to send you something. Um, but I don't want to put it on the air because I don't want to offend anybody. But um, 
And then when you researched that, because like you said, you talked about the father, and I found some interesting research too. That's why I always send you other things. Like I don't speak online about it. I just send it to you, and you look over it, and you talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Right. If I appreciate I see stuff about Beyonce, the stuff about Beyonce, Michelle Obama. So I'm gonna see something about Tracy Martin. And then when you keep that out. Please do. Not to cut you off, please do. Just because I see some other calls on the line, but I appreciate the call. We'll take all calls, but I appreciate that. Definitely send me whatever you have. Like I said, there's information out here. There's information out here. You just have to look for it. You have to find it. These are not upstanding members of the community. You know what I'm saying? And we got, you know, I don't care if I have to be the only person. We're not going to have a lot of calls people saying I sound crazy. Everybody wants to debate on Facebook, no, but anyone listening within the sound of my voice knows right now I am making perfect sense. I have not said one thing that is either legally incorrect or morally incorrect or incorrect on, in any way. Not one thing. You know it and I know it. It's just that everybody's afraid to say what I'm saying. They're afraid to point the finger where it belongs, which is at the black community. You know? And that's what that's what needs to change. And we're not going to see a change until we stop being afraid to speak the truth. These quote unquote voices of America are 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 BS. There is no voice of America. Who's that? Al Sharpton, Mike Bazden, who we who we just established uh, the other day in the Friends of the Data October show group is an atheist. Like really? You know what I'm saying? This dude is, yeah. I, I and I was just, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. I'm, I'm not even gonna get into that today because I want to talk about it in detail. But I've had this is somebody who, you know, I have no respect for Steve Harvey. I have a lot of issues. Mike Bazin has never, you've never really heard me say anything negative about Mike Bazin. Never. You guys know it. Ne- I've actually actually had a lot of respect for the guy. You know, uh, never had anything bad to say about him. He he played his role. He stayed in his lane. Never really. I had no issue with him. That all changed the other day. You know what I'm saying? We instead, we found out that Mike Bazin is not only an atheist, but is you know, sending out a message of, of, of that really corresponds greatly with, with Satanism. But we'll like I said, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit another time. But definitely these voices of America, you know, are not keeping it real. They're not keeping it honest with specifically with the black community. These churches don't even keep it honest. It's ridiculous. Let's talk about uh, from another person. We'll go back to the phone line, 646-200-0366. We'll take more calls. Hit the number one. If you don't have a question or comment, don't hit the number one. Uh, but one of the things I would just in- encourage you guys is, like I said, stay in your lane. If you know you don't know about the trial or you don't know about the law, and, and I even had a, even uh, shout out to Asha. She uh, was in the group, and she even said, she's very passionate about it, but she even said, I admit, I haven't followed the trial. I admit, I'm not familiar with the facts of the case. I respected that. I respected that because I was like, okay, you, you you admit that you don't know. And I would respect anyone who said that. He's like, dang, it's really messed up, but I can't sit there and act like I know everything about it. I'm not going to sit there and debate with you on stand your ground. and Like, I don't know what that means, you know what I'm saying, which is cool. Most people don't. But you're going to learn tonight. We're going to talk about what those things mean. But I'm just saying, if you don't know or understand the judicial system, keep your freaking mouth shut. Don't sit here and try to debate with people who studied the law since the age of three and act like, you know what I'm saying, you know what you're talking about. That's all I, that's all I ask. Don't sit there and try to cuss me out 
when you don't even know it. Well, well he, he shouldn't have got out the car. He, how can they find him not guilty when he got out, he got out the car? What? Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean because he got out the car? When is getting out of a car a, a crime? When is following someone a crime? It's not. Like, what do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, people sound so stupid. That's, that's not a crime. Now, was George Zimmerman morally wrong? Was he the aggressor? Should he have kept his, you know, his, his self in the car? Yes, he should have. Like I said, he should not have followed him. But is that a crime? You can't find someone guilty for following someone. That's not how the law works. That's just not, that's not how it works. Okay, it's not a crime to follow someone. It's not a crime, it, 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 you know, the dispatcher, okay, there are police officers and then there are dispatchers, okay, let's, let's, let's keep it honest, let's like educate some people, okay, well the policeman told him to stay, what the heck, like what are you talking about, there was no police, there was a dispatcher, those people make minimum wage, those are like telemarketers, they like, you know what I'm saying, not, not really, but you know what I mean, they're not police officers, most of them, they have no authority. He was not legally or anything required to do, follow their instructions. But that being said, now again, this is what most people missed in the trial, because most people didn't watch the trial and are just speaking from emotion. It's a very common misconception that George Zimmerman, even after that, continued to follow Trayvon. That's not what he's saying happened. Okay, that's not what they're saying happened. According to the defense, he was following him. He, as he was following him, he called the police. While he was on the phone with the police, explaining to him, like, yo, this dude looks spaced out. He looks like he's on something. He's up to no good, da-da-da-da-da. You know, and so they always get away, all this stuff. That's, and then they said, well, look, what are you doing? Are you following me? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going after He He's like, well, we don't need you to do that. He didn't say don't do it. He said, we don't need you to do that. And he said, oh, okay. And according to Zimmerman at that point, and according to the forensic evidence of where everything happened, that's where the, the, the altercation took place. Under, here, maybe let me repeat that. According to the evidence, for all the people who were saying that if he would have listened to them, he actually did. He didn't follow. After he said, we don't need you to do that, if you notice, he was like, oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? And and that's where he stopped. According to that, according to his story, is that area where he was at the time where he, where that was said was where the, the shooting happened. Now, obviously, that's been disputed, but that's the story, and there is no story to disprove that. So, again, for all of the people, who are saying he, you know, he should have listened to the police. According to him and according to all the evidence that we have, he actually did. It's just that area is where the crime happened or where the incident happened. Now, I know that's news to a lot of people. Courtney, were you aware of that? Not until I saw um, the juror's account of that um, on CNN when she said that. I didn't know that at first, though. Right. He he didn't he did he actually listened to the dispatcher. You understand that and and I think that a lot of people like I said when you you know when you read and when you really research if you're going to be this passionate if there's a case that's this important you owe it to yourselves 
to research, hey, these are the facts as we have them. Let's look at what evidence the jurors had. I think people just wanted the jurors to come back magically with this verdict of not guilty and just totally disregard the actual evidence. A lot of people were protesting Troy Davis, and I said, ironically, everyone wants to protest something. Well, the irony about Troy Davis is that everyone wanted him to be found innocent, or excuse me, his, his, his execution to, to be stayed, because of reasonable doubt. <laughs> this is where the irony becomes prevalent. You know, too much doubt. Reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt. He didn't do it. And I agree. I mean, you know, well, I shouldn't say I agree. Uh, I believe, you know, legally, I, I see why he was executed. I'll put it like that. I see why. Uh, but everyone was saying that there was, you know, there was too much doubt. Well, <laughs> how can you say? Okay, and hear this. This is important. How can you say that there was too much doubt in the Troy Davis case when there was an insurmountable amount of evidence against him? There was four or five times as much evidence against Troy Davis than there was against George Zimmerman. But yet people said there is too much doubt. Well, if there was too much doubt in the, in a case with that much evidence against him, well, what the heck do you think was going on in the Zimmerman case? I mean, there was I mean, the whole case was doubt. That's what I'm saying. Like how can you say you want Troy Davis to be not executed because of doubt, but George Zimmerman should go to jail go to jail when there's clearly doubt? I mean, I'm just asking. Call in if you have an intelligent answer to that question. There was nothing but doubt here. I'm just Courtney, maybe you have, I don't know. I mean, is that not yeah, an interesting I mean, comparison? It is, but what it comes down to is, you know, people came into, you know, the trial um, believing what they wanted to. So without even doing the research that was needed, they wanted to believe that, okay, this was, you know, um, this was a hate crime and, you know, he was being racist and he was wrong and he was this, he was that. So no matter what was presented I mean, they still, people still wanted to believe, you know, what they wanted to believe, unfortunately. Like, you even saw them defending um, Rachel, you know, making excuses for her. Like, people, they they did that, and that's unfortunate. If you, are, if you are going to talk about a case, like you said, you should do the research instead of just saying stuff and, you know, not having anything to back it up with. Absolutely, that's, and that's how it goes. One of the things I'll say about uh, you mentioned Rachel uh, Gentile. I mean, listen, guys, it, it's really unfortunate. Like I said, it's, I just wish the situation never would have happened. You know, I do. Uh, but what I one of, and this is one of the posts that I put up that really that people really got riled up about. And I don't really see. I mean, what I said was a true statement. I don't see why people got so mad. But I said that, I mean, I'll say some people, because far more people, well over 100 people gave this the thumbs up, but like a couple people wanted to act crazy. So I don't want to let a few bad apples spoil the bunch. Well over 100 people obviously felt like this was a good point. But one of the things that I said on Facebook was, I wonder why no one wanted to riot when OJ was acquitted, when everyone knows that he killed those people. I said, black or white, reasonable doubt is reasonable doubt. As flawed as this legal system is, and it's very flawed, but it, it's how this country is run. I mean, that's you know, that's just what it is, you know. And and people got mad at, at that. Like, what do you? 
how can you be mad about OJ, but not, you know, or I'm, excuse me, how can you be happy about OJ, but be pissed off when they got off for the same exact reason? The same reason OJ was acquitted is the same exact reason that George Zimmerman was acquitted. So, but but people are saying let's let's change the law. Well, how change it for what? It was cool when it happened to OJ. It was cool when Jay Z got off. It's cool when Diddy got off, right? But when Zimmerman gets off, it's a problem. It's, it's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? People, I mean. How many people were, were, you know, black people, high-profile people who actually got off because of some of these same laws that people supposedly want to change? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's actually ridiculous. If Troy Davis got off, then, oh, the law is great. Let's not change it. Let's not boycott. You know what I'm saying? But it just so happened it didn't go in, in, the, in, you know, in his favor. Now it's a problem. So there's that. Um, let's talk about it from a different perspective. We're talk we're hearing a lot of talk about riots. You know, this this case really caught on like wildfire. Well, and specifically in the black community and even more specifically in the black church. Now, this is just the issue that I have. How I mean how, I just have a serious problem with this. But how are Christians I'm talking about people who claim to be followers of Christ, how are Christians Talking about rioting and boycotting because of the Trayvon Martin situation, but were quiet as as ch- a church mouse when Kanye West decides he wants to name his album Jesus and and, and uh, iTunes wants to carry it, Walmart wants to carry it, Target, every major retailer that I know of is carrying Jesus, an album. That is blatantly making a mockery of the highest name, Jesus Christ, Jesus. You're calling yourself a God, which is the exact foundation of Satanism. Satanists believe that we are all gods. Jay-Z even said that. This satanic bastard said that on Power 105 the other day. In fact, I have the exact quote here, which we'll we'll talk about on another day, but I'll read it. He said, religion is like a personal computer you let people in if you want to. We're all gods. And I said that online. If anyone has ever done any level of research on Satanism, you know that that recent quote from Jay-Z epitomizes what Satanist fundamental beliefs are. And he, he did that on purpose. The same way Beyonce calls herself I am, the same way Ye, Jay, uh, Kanye calls himself Jesus, they are presenting themselves as gods. And it's the exact, uh, exactly what Satanists believe. And so my point is, that is something that people, forget Christians, but just people should take offense to. That is blasphemy. So how are you more passionate about Trayvon Martin than you are about your own religion? And I'll be honest with you. When it comes to Jesus Christ, I'm honest, I'll be real with you. I could care less about Trayvon. To be, I mean, to be real with you, if it came down to Christ defending Christ or Trayvon, I'm, you know what I'm saying? That's not even a question. So my question is that if you're passionate about both, then, hey, I mean, go ahead. And you know the law, then, I mean, speak your peace. 
but don't protest Trayvon and don't and, and not only not say anything about Jay Z calling himself Hova and Kanye calling himself Yeezus. Not only that, but actually blasting their music in your car. That's crazy to me. You know what I'm saying? That's more important than Trayvon. That's more uh, a bigger tragedy than Trayvon. That's unprecedented. No one has ever came out and been that disrespectful to Jesus Christ publicly. Never in the history of the world, you know, or certainly the history of the entertainment industry. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? How are you going to be a Christian and not, not take offense to that and not speak up about that and not update your status about that, but you got, you're pissed off? How I many people are mad as hell about Trayvon? Well, guess what? I'm mad as hell at Kanye West. I'm mad as hell. Jay-Z calls himself Jehovah. That makes me mad as mad as hell. Ten times more mad than Trayvon, and it should make you more mad. And if it doesn't, then I question your Christianity. And I don't care who I'm talking to. What are your thoughts on that, Courtney? Yeah, I think, you know, people have the, you know, um, people have this belief that, you know, those that are in church, you know, everyone is a real Christian. And that's not true. You know, the reason that we don't hear about it, you know, talked about in church and the the reason that people aren't protesting is because not everybody in church is a real Christian. So half those people, probably more than half, like you said, blast the music in their car. I mean, some churches even um, may even play secular music, you know, during the service. I've seen that, like on YouTube. So, I mean, it's it's crazy out here. So it's it's really um, what it boils down to is just having your priorities straight, like really just getting it together and and really talking about the real issues. Yo, people out here are fake as, yo, people are fake as crap, man. Don't make me put people on blast. You can't tell me that these people are not listening to this show right now. There is not one pro- I don't care if you want to put on the Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity sunglasses, you want to block your number and call, and you want to listen, turn your speakers on, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you want to do, put your headphones on so that nobody wants to know you're listening to the Day Don Tolbert show and not some type of ridiculous show on. T- I mean, that's cool. You want to listen in secret, but don't sit here and act like you disagree with the things I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't act like you weren't one of those people that was debating on Facebook and they're now listening to this show and like, damn, I sound stupid as hell. Like, actually hearing him say that, I actually sound stupid. Like, you know you you sound ridiculous based on your comments, hearing this show, hearing the facts, talking about it from a legal perspective. You know you do. Don't lie. Don't act like you don't hear this show and understand the things that I'm saying to you. And I would just encourage anyone male or female, you know, call in, you know what I'm saying, if, if that's the case. I, I will take all calls tonight. All those comments, all those issues, everyone who's mad as hell, call in. 646-200-0036. You know, I mean, it's crazy. You can't say all these things. You can't be that passionate, but then hear it from an actual intelligent perspective as opposed to an emotional perspective and then, you know, clam up. You understand that? We'll take some calls in a couple minutes. Let me go. I, I want to talk about a couple other things. And now a couple calls. I see a couple calls pop up. We'll take. I go to the phone phone lines in two minutes. You mentioned earlier. I want to get through some things right immediately. I want before we get to the facts. So we haven't even we haven't even touched on facts yet. You know, I mean, actual evidence. We haven't even done that yet. But choosing to boycott an entire state. Let's just touch on that for a second. That's ridiculous. As the young woman who called in earlier said very intelligently, 
why aren't people boycotting New York? There have been so many issues of police brutality, Sean Bell, I mean, all types of stuff. Racism, I mean, Philly is like the murder capital, Chicago is the murder capital. I mean, there's tons of, I mean, it's, it's actually ridiculous. You know, and I, I question anyone's intelligence who's even suggesting. I'm just being real with you. I don't care who it is, who said it. I question your intelligence. You call into the show, I'll tell you to your face, right to the phone. I question your intelligence if you're saying let's boycott Florida, but you will go to New York to to shop or to party, or you'll go to Chicago, or you'll you'll go freaking to L.A. You know what I'm saying? Where the LAPD is known for being the the you know rate having the one of the most racist police departments in the history of of the country. You know what I mean? Like that's just ludicrous. You go. I mean. I mean seriously. Florida is not a big state in comparison to some of these other states, and people are literally talking about boycotting a, a whole state when there are so many bigger states and more racist states. I'm just saying it's it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense whatsoever. Like, seriously. I couldn't believe when I read that. People were like, yo, we're going to boycott Florida. I'm like, you're going to boycott a whole state? Because of something that jurors, six people, six individuals, a decision they chose to make based on the law? Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is, do you, I mean, have you ever had jury duty? These people didn't ask to have, nobody wants to be on the jury. I mean, I'm just saying, you want to boycott a show, boycott the Day Don Tober show, I don't care. If I, I would, if I was on the, I mean, he was not guilty. That's what it was. He wasn't guilty. Based on the law. Let me explain something to you. When you take an oath, okay, jurors are sworn in as well. You take an oath to follow the law, to follow the legal system, like it or not. You know what I'm saying? You have a you have an oath. Now, if you want to go against that, well, then at that point it 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 becomes an issue of, you know. Do you have an issue with with taking with lying on on the Bible? Because that's what's happening. You know, you raise your right hand, you you you, you take an oath to do the right thing. So if you want to go against that, then that you know what I'm saying that's where you have a moral decision to make. Now they could have just said, "Oh, the hell with the law," and I'm just going to find them not guilty. I mean, uh, guilty and send them to jail, regardless of what the law. I mean, that's your decision. That's something you got to live with God with. You know what I'm saying? You have to make a moral decision for yourself, but. If you're looking at the case, they the 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 judge instructs them. I don't know if you guys know about this, but they give instructions based on requirements. Jurors are required to make a decision based on the evidence, but also based upon the the you know, the outline of the law. You know, within the parameters of the law, you have to you know, stay in. So, if there's clearly reasonable doubt, how can you just say, okay, forget that, I'm just going to ignore that, and I'm still going to send them to jail? You, that's between you and God. Because, again, you took an oath, they took an oath to do the right thing. That's something that you're responsible for. God holds you responsible for that. If you know in your heart, wait a minute, there's reasonable doubt here, but I'm going to send this man to jail for the rest of his life? Regardless of your personal feelings, that's a decision you have to live with. That's a decision those jurors had to live with. 
they were legally required to find, and I don't know if you guys know this, not only were they legally required to find him not guilty for the sole purpose of there was reason about, I don't know if you guys know about the judges, that judge, that white lady, she has the power, and judges have the power in most cases to set aside the jury's verdict. Okay? And what that means is that, like, let's say there is an overwhelming amount of evidence in a murder case, let's just say, and the jury, for whatever reason, says, okay, we find so-and-so not guilty. If there's an overwhelming amount of evidence or there's an underwhelming amount of evidence and there's clearly reasonable doubt, either way, the judge has the option, the, the authority to say, I set aside the jury's verdict and I reverse this verdict to be guilty or not guilty, depending on the situation. Courtney, did you know that the jur- that the judge actually has that authority? No, I didn't actually. Well, see, yeah, most people don't know that. You know what I'm saying? Like most people have no idea. Most people have no idea how the legal system works. That's what I'm saying to you. So one way or another, he was getting off because what can happen is a lot of you guys don't know how appeals work. Well, if you if you know if there's a case where there's clearly reasonable doubt. Clearly, even, let's just say, even if, okay, hypothetically, because this is what everybody wanted to hear about, even if George Zimmerman was found not guilty on Saturday, excuse me, guilty on Saturday night, you guys realize that verdict would not have held up. He would have appealed it. You guys hear that term, but I don't know if you know what it really means. His lawyers will file an appeal with the court and take that to a higher court, Okay. They take that to a higher court, whether it's the, the state Supreme Court, and, you know, and who knows, maybe even a case of this magnitude, I'm sure it would have gone to the actual Supreme Court. And, I mean, hypothetically, I mean, it wouldn't have. That's why he was found not guilty. It was because of reasonable doubt. Even if that jury would have found him guilty, they would have appealed and it would have been overturned, and George Zimmerman would have gone free. That's what I'm saying to you. So, I mean, it, listen, that's what I'm saying. That's how the law works. There was reasonable doubt, and if if, they, if those jurors would have said it's not, then somebody would have. He had appeals. You know, it would have been overturned. See, nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to hear that. So that that's pretty much how. It goes. I see a call on the line from Philly two one five nine six four. Welcome to the Data on Tolbert Show. This is Ace. Oh, what's going on? Jason, I thought I'd call you. I didn't know what you wanted me to talk about, but I agree with you 100%. If I were on that jury, I'd have to agree there was reasonable doubt for second-degree murder. But I think in reality, it was either second- or first-degree murder. There's premeditation. He had a gun. He used that gun to shoot this boy. And there's a huge distinction between George Zimmerman and O.J. Simpson and and Kanye West. O.J. Simpson, he wasn't able to be put at the scene of the crime. They couldn't prove he was even there. And okay, Kanye West, question. he not, Kanye West, okay. Well, no, question. I hear you. I, I, you're saying you, you say a couple of different points. I want to respond to your, your first point about, <laughs> you said right first-degree murder, premeditated? Clearly yeah, this and, wasn't premeditated because he was out taking a stroll and he happened to come across Trayvon. He didn't plan for this. That that would mean premeditation. So that's why they didn't go for first degree because I mean, that wouldn't even apply here. But let's just say it was second degree. The problem okay. with that is that 
that's more like, what that's he, more what I was going for. Okay, but here's the thing though. But not in court. Obviously in court, no. But in reality, yeah, it was premeditated. He had the gun. It wasn't necessarily directed towards any individual. But on this night, that individual was Trayvon Martin. He, well, but he, here's the thing, he, though. Here, here's the problem with that story. What he's saying is okay. that Trayvon Martin actually attacked him. So how is that murder when if he say, if what he's saying is true, which there's no one to disprove that, he's saying Trayvon attacked him, and the evidence actually shows there was a fight. So who's to say Trayvon did not attack Zimmerman? No, that's where the reasonable doubt comes in. But if but I'm I asking you personally. Personally. I'm asking you personally right now, though. Why do you think Trayvon did not attack him? Because Zimmerman approached him. Right. That's but but, 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 but him in that way. And right. But that's not that to say George... Trayvon didn't attack him, though. Okay. Trayvon could have still punched him in the face based on the confrontation. Okay. A punch in the face warrants a bullet. Well, according to the law, yes, because that's an attack. Okay, okay, well then, if, if that's the case, if, if Trayvon Martin walked up and punched George Zimmerman and then shot him, and, I'm sorry, and then got shot by Zimmerman, well, that was still premeditated by Zimmerman. But if the law says it's okay to react with a bullet to a punch, then okay. I have to agree with you on that. Uh, well, then we're in agreement. I, I appreciate the call, my man. Definitely appreciate the call. We're in agreement then. Because according to the law, Okay, and that's where, you know, and I definitely, like I said, I appreciate the call, and I welcome all calls. But understand, according to the law, and we're about to define the law that we're talking about, which is stand your ground, which in this case, I mean, to say premeditation is totally, um, it's not applicable here at all, because that would mean, you know, he was in his house thinking about, hmm, I'm going to go out tonight, and I'm going to go kill Trayvon. I'm going to search for Trayvon, and I'm going to go kill him. Well before the crime even took place, the incident even took place, that's not even applicable. So, but let's just say it was second degree. That's not applicable either. If anything, it would have been manslaughter, but that would depend on who threw the first punch. Courtney, manslaughter is this. A good example is this. If I approach you and we're fighting, okay, I say something to you, you don't like it, you hit me, I hit you, there's a fight. I, you know, I hit you and you accidentally fall and, and, and hit your head and you die. But it, I didn't mean to kill you, but you died in the within the fight, in the context of the fight, as a result of the fight. That's where manslaughter comes into play. Like if there's just like an equal fight, if anything, that would be manslaughter. And they just determined I was the aggressor in that fight. That's where manslaughter, you know, is applicable. Uh, clearly, that was not the case here. For anyone who's unfamiliar. What happened here, and we, I guess we can jump ahead into the actual facts, since you know we had a call, you know, who one, you know, brought that up. What George Zimmerman's story is is this, and I'm not saying that this is absolutely how it happened. I don't know how it happened, and I've been consistent and well documented in saying I have no idea what happened, and none of you do either. No one knows. The fact that no one knows is what reasonable doubt is consists of here and why it's applicable but George Zimmerman is out and about okay he sees someone who is most likely high you know I mean let's just be honest with you Trayvon Martin went out and to smoke a blunt everyone wants to talk about the Skittles but he was found with marijuana in his system so 
it's a very good chance that at the time of the incident, Trayvon Martin was high, which is consistent with what George Zimmerman said when he was on the phone. He said, look, this, this dude looks like he's on something. This dude, he's, he's acting crazy. You know, he's all over the place right now. This guy, I don't know about this guy. There's something wrong with him, which, most, which you know, it would be consistent with someone being high. Now, did he racially profile him? I don't know. Maybe. You know, I mean, possibly. You know, but the reality is, for whatever, however we get to that point, George Zimmerman approached Trayvon. Now, I want you guys to do a little experiment. Anyone who's unhappy with this verdict. See, this is where it becomes real, and people want to act like society is not what it is. Go out your house right now, right? Okay? Go up to the first guy you see with a hoodie on, right? Go, go. To, I don't care who, just find a black guy, and it, it won't be hard. <laughs> go find a black guy with a hoodie on, wherever you live. And I want you to walk up to him, and I want you to ask him. Don't curse at him. Don't put your hands on him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Go up to him and be like, yo. What are you doing out here? What the hell are you doing? What the F are you doing? You don't belong out here. Or, or whatever you want to imagine. I don't care what you say. Imagine whatever you think George Zimmerman said to Trayvon. You say that to someone and see what happens to you. You see if your face doesn't end up looking like George Zimmerman's face did that night. Go ahead, do it. My man on the who called in, you go out, you do that too. Go try it and see how that works out for you. I could go outside right now with my gun. Right? And do a little experiment. I go up to the first guy I see out there. I don't care who he is. Just pick a guy with a hoodie. What are you doing out here? You don't belong here. Da 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 da. Whatever you think was said. And there's going to be a fight. I promise you that. There's going to be an altercation. That's what happened. Okay, nobody wants to talk about that. But that is what happened. I wasn't there, but I can almost guarantee you that's what happened. George Zimmerman walked up. He didn't just walk up to him and shoot him. He didn't just walk up to him and say, yo, Trayvon, what are you doing here? Pop, pop, pop. No, that's, that's not what happened. He said, he walked up to him like, yo, what's going Like, what are you doing here? Trayvon was like, yo, he was already pissed off because he was like, yo, he was talking to Rachel Gentile. She was like, yo, this dude is following me. And she was like, yo, why don't you? He's like, I ain't running from that white-ass cracker, you know, whatever he said. You know what I'm saying? I ain't running. I ain't no punk. You know what I'm saying? I ain't running. I'm like, okay. So I'm pretty sure that when he was uh, approached by Zimmerman, when Zimmerman finally caught up to him, I'm pretty sure he was a little agitated, a little pissed off. Felt like he might have to rumble, as he should. Because Zimmerman, as I said, should not have done that. This is not, let's defend Zimmerman Day. No, Zimmerman was wrong for doing that. Absolutely. Zimmerman should have kept his ass in the house and watch All in the Family or whatever else he was doing. But for whatever reason, he decided to approach Trayvon. Trayvon was pissed off, as he should have been, but this is where reasonable doubt comes, reasonable doubt as well as self-defense stand your ground becomes the issue, the debate. I believe, and this is just pure speculation, just like everybody else has been doing about what's, what happened, but I'll join the party. What I believe happened George Zimmerman said, yo, what the F are you doing? Or, you know, you know, approached him in a manner that Trayvon did not like. Trayvon punched him in the face, as was indicated by his broken nose. You don't get a broken nose from, I mean, you get a broken nose from getting punched in the face. I mean, this isn't rocket science, people. Trayvon beat his ass. 
The witness saw Trayvon on top of him. He, he sucker punched him. He got the first hit. He dropped him. He got on top of him and was wailing on him, pounding his head into the ground. Okay, that was consistent. The, the, his injuries on the front of on his broken nose and on the back of his head are consistent with that story, with that theory. It does, it's not logical, people, to think and to say that was Trayvon screaming for help when he is on top of him, which is shown and proven by the witness who saw Trayvon on top of him punching him. Why would Tra- Trayvon be yelling help if he's on top of him punching him? That doesn't make sense. Trayvon's own father said when he was asked, is this your son yelling help? He said, no, that's not my son. So if you're a juror and you hear that your own father doesn't recognize your voice and says, that's not my son, well, then who the heck else was it? I'm just asking. That's reasonable doubt. That was. I'm just telling y'all. And again, I wish it never happened. But we can't. We can't live in la la land. We can't act like it's not what it is. Trayvon. It's unfortunate. Now, was Drake do what I call, as we say in the streets, a bitch? You know, was that a a bitch move? Excuse my language. Yes, it was. He didn't need to shoot him. You take that ass whipping like a man, and you keep it moving. You shouldn't approach him in the first place. See, that's where I think people differ. They're 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 confusing. What is morally right and versus what is legally right, or, or excuse me, morally wrong versus what's legally culpable, okay? Instead of taking that beating like a man for doing something that he shouldn't have done in the first place, he took the bitch move out and he shot him. That was not cool. He should not have done that, okay? Did he need to do that? No, Let's be clear about that. Again, for the fifth time, that's why I would be in support of a civil suit being filed against George Zimmerman, not a legal suit, because when you're talking legally, there has to be no reasonable doubt, which there clearly was in this case. Civilly, however, the fact that Trayvon Martin is dead is Zimmerman's fault because he should not have approached him in the first place. But that is different from being legally responsible. I hope people understand the difference. He shouldn't, but make no mistake about it. The forensic evidence indicated that Trayvon Martin was shot from an upward position. He shot him while on his back getting his head bashed into the concrete. The defense called the medical examiner who confirmed that story. The juror actually confirmed, she said, wow, they said, who were some of the most influential witnesses? She said, well, really, the medical examiner and the, pol- the lead police detective, those were the most convincing witnesses because, I, they, you know, they struck me as being very believable and very uh, just authentic and genuine. But, under, see, see, that's the thing. You've got to read. You've got to look at the evidence. He was shot. Again, hear what I'm saying. Trayvon was shot while on top of George Zimmerman. That means, or at least legally, constitutes self-defense. Okay, let's, let's, let's do something real quick. Let's read, actually, what the definition of stand your ground means. Let's do that real quick. 
and you can Google this. You can, you know, Wikipedia, Dictionary, whatever you want to do. The, the Stand Your Ground law is as follows. In the United States, Stand Your Ground states that a person may justifiably use force in self-defense when there's a reasonable belief, reasonable belief of an unlawful threat without the obligation to retreat. Okay, understand what that means. You, you, that means you can stand your ground. You don't have to run. If you are attacked and you feel as though your life is in danger, you are legally allowed to use whatever force you feel necessary. Now, what, now in this case, was it necessary to use deadly force for a 16-year-old boy? I doubt it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Although, I mean, to be real with you, depending on how nice Trayvon was, was with his hands and, this, and the positioning of it, I mean, if he was on top of him banging his head into the cement, he could have been killed. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. Do I think that's the case? I mean, me personally, no. I don't think he needed to shoot him. But legally, he could. I carry a gun. I like to walk my dog. I like to be out with my daughter. You know what I'm saying? I go to I go out and I see these little bastards all you know all the time. Just here in Philly recently, a man they do these flash mobs from time to time. These little bastards running around out here, you know, and ironically with hoodies on, so nobody can see their face, and they're running up on people randomly and, and, and rolling on them and beating them up. That's that that actually happens. It, it's happened in Philly. And actually, a, a white guy was killed, killed in the subway for from for no reason. These, these black kids ran up on him, beat him up in the subway for no. It was all caught on camera. I saw it. They beat him to death for no reason. Just standing there waiting for the train. Ran up on him, beat him up, killed him. No flash mob. That ain't gonna be me. I promise you that. You understand that? So what am I? What am I saying? In those situations, and other situations, because it doesn't just have to be like that. But legally, the situations are the same because what what George Zimmerman was saying was that Trayvon attacked him. Same way with the flash mob, different situation, same concept. Trayvon attacked George Zimmerman. To say that you have to go to jail, they have to prove that that did not happen. The burden of proof uh, lies not with George Zimmerman. He doesn't have to prove a darn thing. But it was up to the prosecution to prove that that did not happen the way he said it happened. You guys understand that? Am I making sense? And I know, I know, I know, I know it's easy to get caught up in the media and to not look at things from a legal perspective and to look at things from an emotional standpoint. But legally, like I said, I watched this trial from start to finish. I can tell you every piece of evidence that was presented. And again, the evidence indicates there just wasn't enough evidence. In fact, to be honest with you, I just wish it would have never happened. You know, and I and you know, with the, all the public, you know, the way the media is and the way the public outcry has been, I almost wish there would have been actual evidence to send him to jail. Because again, for the seventh time, I believe George Zimmerman to be responsible for the death of Trayvon Martin. So I kind of wish that there was actual evidence, but there just wasn't. In fact, not only did they not have evidence, but they had a lot of uncredible. Uh, excuse me. Witnesses that were just not credible. 
star witnesses that were not credible. In fact, that actually lied. So that's what stand your ground laws. Courtney, before this case, did you have any idea what stand your ground meant? Um, no, not before this case. No, I didn't. Right. It, it, how I described it, is that your understanding of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just what it is. You know, and so I think that, you know, but, you know, it's it doesn't, it's not pretty. Nobody wants to think of this dead kid on top of George Zimmerman, you know, pummeling him. But that is what happened. That or if that's not what happened, that's what the jury believe happened, which is what the jurors said on CNN tonight. She said they, they were all in agreement that Trayvon was, in fact, on top of George Zimmerman beating him. So according to that story, which the prosecution has the burden of proof, you know what I'm saying? That they didn't prove that that didn't happen, and there was really no way that they could have. So how? That's why I'm. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is where is everybody saying that they're this should be guilty? That's all I'm at. I mean, you know, I don't want to argue. I don't want to be. You know, I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm not trying to be, you know, somebody said I just, I'm trying to be antagonistic. I'm not trying to antagonize anybody. I'm just speaking from a legal perspective. That's it. There was reasonable doubt here. Based on the law, you can't find someone guilty when reasonable doubt exists. That's that's just what, you know, that's how the law works. Now, is that law flawed? I mean, we can talk about that. But in this case, as of right now, as the law stands... You know, that's just what it is. Let's read. Let's do something else. Let's read what reasonable doubt is, because a lot of people, you know, you've heard that term, but I think that there's some confusion as to, you know, what that means and when it's applicable. But reasonable doubt, and you can look up this definition, but reasonable doubt is a standard of proof used in criminal trials when a criminal defendant is prosecuted. The prosecutor must prove the defendant's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. If the jury or the judge in a bench trial has a reasonable doubt as to the defendant's guilt, the jury or the judge should pronounce the defendant not guilty. Conversely, if the jurors or judge have no doubt as to the defendant's guilt, or if their only doubts or are unreasonable doubts, then the prosecutor has proven the defendant's guilt <clears throat> excuse me, beyond a reasonable doubt, and the defendant should be found uh, guilty. So that's pretty much how reasonable doubt works. And I think that, you know, based on that definition, no one with any level of intelligence, based on that definition, would say this case should have resulted in a guilty verdict. That's just not – now, if you want to go outside of that and you want to go outside of the law and you want to speak from emotion and you just want to say, you know, justice, justice, this shouldn't have – okay, then, you know, then that's – you're not speaking from a legal perspective. And at that point, we might as well all just live in a totally anarchist society with no law. Now, I mean, you know, who knows? That's that's ironically – that's actually the direction we're going towards uh, when, when – uh, when Christ comes back. But at that point, obviously, it would be too late. But that's, you know, what that Jay-Z video is about, uh, who's going to run this town tonight. It's, it's going to be anarchy. There's going to be no law. There's going to be no authority. That's why the video shows, like, 
you know, just like chaos and craziness and, and these gangs and different things like that because, you know, who's going to run the town? There's not going to be a law. That's what the Bible says the end of the world will be like, or the, I should say the last days will be like. Right? So, you know, you have a decision to make. Do you want to live in an anarchist society or do you want law? As flawed as it is, do you want a law? And according to the law, you know, there there was unfortunately reasonable doubt. Courtney, any questions about that or any thoughts on that that, you know, you, you might want to add or anything? Um, I don't know. You know, I feel like you uh, really covered everything, you know, just um, just really educating um, us about the case because I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't like 100% familiar because I wasn't following it step by step. Um, but it's very good just to learn um, just as far as legal terms and everything because I think a lot of people were arguing and, and feeling some type of way about it, but they, they really weren't educated about it. And so what I'm saying is that after listening to this show, they should not have anything to argue about. Because I'll be honest, like at first in the beginning, um, when the incident first happened like a year and a half ago, I was on the bandwagon like, oh, yeah, you know, justice for Trayvon, this was wrong, and this was a, you know, this was, he was being racist and all that stuff. But that's when I just didn't know anything about the law. And just, um, you know, fast forward, you know, my my perspective is totally different. And um, so I thank you for that. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. There have been times we've taken 30 calls, 40 calls, 10 calls, 15 calls. These phone lines are silent. As as of right now, there's not one call in the queue. But a lot of people are listening, but there's not one person who's pressed one that has a comment. Because And, and out of all these comments, you know how many listeners we have around the world and around the country, and you guys listen on maybe even tomorrow night you'll hear, you know, a totally different topic. we have a million calls like normal. I mean, you know, this is this is good, though. Because, you know, like I said, when there's debates, it's because people, they're only debating because there's not, they're not familiar with what actually happened. But I think that, you know, what we've done is, as you mentioned, we've, we're educating as to, one, what happened, because most people really have no idea what happened, and they have even more or less of an idea about what the law says about what happened, which is good. But let's get, But we're not done yet. Because this is, we haven't even got to the facts of the case, and I want to talk a lot about what the juror actually had to say. First thing that, and so these are some common complaints. George Zimmerman was was told not to follow Trayvon. That's what everyone has been saying. Understand, guys, following someone is not a crime. We're not talking about a stalker. We're not talking about, um, you know, attacking. I don't think anybody has said there's no evidence that suggests that Trayvon was attacked. No one is saying that. No one is saying he was attacked and then assaulted. And really no one's even saying that he just was murdered in cold blood. That's not even an issue. It was just it shouldn't have happened. But you can't skip over how it happened. But So that's the first thing. Following someone is not a crime. Now, was it cool? Should he have done it? No, he should not. Let me be clear about that. Again, for the, like I probably said this like ten times. George Zimmerman should absolutely not have followed Trayvon that night. He should not have done it. If he would not have done that, Trayvon Martin would still be alive. That is a fact. He should not have done it. I'm not arguing. I'm not debating that. George Zimmerman was wrong for racially profiling Trayvon Martin and following him. 
he was wrong. That's, you know, there's no but, no, you know what I'm saying? That's just a period. He was wrong. However, even though he was wrong, that's not a crime. That's what people, there's no law that says if you see someone who you deem to be suspicious, you can't follow them and ask them what they're doing. There's no law against that. Okay? So that's the first thing. So following someone is not a crime. I just want to reiterate that because that was probably like the most, you know, uh, common gripe about this situation is that, well, he followed him. He shouldn't have. Okay, he shouldn't have. But it's not a crime to do that. He shouldn't have got out the car. Okay, he is, you know, that's not a crime either. That goes along with following someone. That's not a crime. Okay, in fact, there's certain things that are called citizen's arrest. Now, I'm not saying that that's what he was doing, but just so you guys know, a lot of people don't really understand what citizen's arrests are. If you see someone, you know, committing a crime or who you – and again, please don't think that I'm saying this is what happened, but hypothetically, if you see someone who is suspicious or is committing a crime or in the process of committing a crime, you're allowed legally to arrest that person. You can, you can detain that person, you know, until the cops come. That's called a citizen's arrest. Now, clearly, that's not what happened here, but I'm just saying. So in those situations, I'm just making the point that it's definitely not a crime to follow someone if you feel as though this person is suspicious. Now, was Trayvon suspicious that night? I can't say. I wasn't there. Now, this, let me just touch on this, because it's not inconceivable to say that he was not suspicious. It's not out of the question. Is there evidence that he was suspicious that night? Not really. But I know for a fact, one night I was just well, I was sitting in my car. I've told this story on the show a couple times. I remember one time I had a black car with black tint out on a black hoodie, and I was waiting for my homie to come out, and I was talking on the phone. We were about to go somewhere, and I was literally sitting outside his crib. Somebody called the cops on me because I was sitting out there for maybe 45 minutes, and I guess it looked like I was up to no good, somebody called the cops, cops pull up, they frisk me, tell me to get out the car, have the hands on the hood, they're asking me where the drugs at, where's the weed at, where's the coke at, they said that we don't care about the weed, just give us the coke, I'm like, sir, I don't have any coke, I'm just here waiting for my friend, the reason why I was pulled over, or not pulled over, but approached by the police, and someone called the cops on me, was because I was suspicious, and all I was doing was sitting in my car with a black hoodie on, with black tin on my car, that's it. And, and, you know, in hindsight, did I look suspicious? Yeah, I did. You know what I'm saying? I was sitting outside at, at, at 11 o'clock at night with a black hoodie on. Yeah, that's suspicious. I'm just being, it is. You can say it's not, but it is. Was I racially profiled, which is why somebody called the cops? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. It is what it is. That's the, the you know, the, the society that we live in. Can't do stuff like that. Now, am I saying that applies to Trayvon? Not necessarily. However... If it is as Zimmerman says, and this is not, I'm not conceding that this is the case, but if, you know, George Zimmerman said he looks suspicious, he's acting crazy, he looks like he's on something. I Have I been walking around at night and seen kids walking looking like they were high and were in fact high? Oh, heck yeah, absolutely. Have I seen young men go outside your house right now? You'll see some black kids up to something. You will. I don't care where you live. You will. Go outside right now. You, I promise you. Drive around. Take a drive through the hood. You'll see some people who are up to something. 
Am I saying that's how Trayvon was that night? I don't know. We don't. We'll never know. But is it possible? Absolutely. I'm just saying. Now, that's that right there is reasonable doubt. You know, in regards to why he approached him in the first place. Just saying. Now, so there's that. The question, the most important. Now again, we're back to the facts of the case. How did Trayvon react to what George Zimmerman said to him? That is where everything lies, right there. Legally, if if he, George Zimmerman said something to him, you know, and then he punched Trayvon in the face, with the, which there's no evidence to suggest that, then George Zimmerman would be in jail right now for for murder. That would be murder. That actually would be the epitome of second-degree murder. If he approached Trayvon, attacked Trayvon, and murdered Trayvon, that is second-degree murder. Not first-degree, not premeditated, you know what I mean, dude who called in. But that would be second-degree murder, if, if that's what happened. But I think we all know that's not what happened. George, As we said about a few minutes, George Zimmerman approached him. Words were exchanged. Trayvon punched him in the face, breaking his nose. He then proceeded to get on top of him and, and, and punch him. He was seen on top of him. Okay, George Zimmerman's mother testified that that, and several of his friends testified. That was another thing that the prosecution dropped the ball on. They should have had more character witnesses for Trayvon. Why weren't there more people testifying that that was Trayvon's voice on that recording? Even though it wasn't, why weren't there more people saying that it was? George Zimmerman had, like, multiple people testify. No, that was Trayvon, mother, family, friends. That was, uh, that was uh, Zimmerman. That was George. That, the jur- that played well for the jury. Because, and the fact that, like I said earlier, Trayvon's own father didn't recognize his voice definitely does not look good. How can the jury believe it if, if his own father didn't believe it? So I guess so that's, what, that's, you know, where the reasonable doubt comes in. We already talked about what the law says about reasonable doubt as well as the stand-your-ground law. Now, Rachel Gentile, as you mentioned, Courtney, uh, had an attitude, uh, basically was very uncooperative, couldn't understand what she was saying, and lied about her whereabouts that night. And even introduced the fact that not only was it not George Zimmerman that made it a race issue, but Trayvon made it a race, racial issue when he used the, the racial slur, uh, cracker. You know now, and that was that was not disputed, and so that obviously d- did not look good, and so these are all things that the jury is hearing. Um, what else? I mean, these are all these are all facts that people may may or may not be uh, aware of. One thing that definitely needs to be said is that not only did the prosecution have to prove their case beyond a shadow of a doubt, but they had to prove that George Zimmerman acted with willful intent. And hate in his heart. He had they had to prove that he killed Trayvon with hate in his heart, and that was the intention. Like he went out with the intention to kill him, willful intent. And he, I don't, I, you know, you guys may feel differently. I don't believe that was the case. Do I think he took the punk way out by shooting him after he got his, you know, his butt kicked? Yeah. But that was in the moment. I've not, I do not for a second believe that 
he approached him with the intent to shoot him. I think he wanted some answers. I think he wanted him off that property. But, you know, it's unfortunate that he took the punk way out by shooting him. But, again, that's not what we're here for. That's not what the law says. The law had the, the prosecution had to and was legally required to prove, not just say, not for you guys to believe, but they had the burden of proof to to say you acted with willful intent to kill him, and I, I that was just, that's just not the that wasn't the case from the beginning. After the fight, in the context of a fight, the midst of the fight, he said, "Damn, I'm getting my ass kicked. I gotta do something. I'm, this guy might kill me, or this guy might, you know, he's beating me up. I might get my head bashed in. Let me just shoot this guy, get him off me." You know, that's what happened. And I know America does not want to hear that. I know tomorrow, Dadon Talbert, even maybe right now, Dadon Talbert is the bad guy for speaking the truth. But we can't act like it's something that it's not. We can't, you know what I mean? We can't pretend that Trayvon did not throw the first punch. Deep down in your heart, so we don't, there will never, there's no evidence we will never know. But I think deep down, everyone knows that's what happened. No one wants to admit it. Because that would actually mean justifying the not guilty verdict. So it's easy. You want to hold on to the hate and the, you know, it should is an injustice. But legally, if you punch someone and you get on top of them and are beating them, and that person has a license to carry, they are legally allowed to shoot you. Do you guys understand that? There, you are allowed to shoot someone. If they are on top of you bashing your head into the ground That's what self-defense means That's what stand your, gra- your ground means Is that clear, Courtney? Is that clear to everyone? I see some more calls on the line Any thoughts on that, though? Oh, yeah, that's crystal clear I just really think that um, Just thinking more and more about the case It's just um, It just appears that you know Zimmerman really just wanted to protect his community And just make sure you know that everyone was safe, and which is why he didn't. I mean, he—that's why he called the dispatcher first. It's not like he just automatically just started following and just said, "I'm gonna, I'm just gonna shoot you and I'm gonna kill you." Like that—that's not how it happened. But that's how people want to view it. Um, just like you were saying, they just want to hold on to it. But we have to. It's important just to let that emotion go. I mean, I know this is a tragedy, but. We have to let that emotion go and just heal from that situation and just do what we can in our own communities. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that. I know we're getting out of time, but we're going to talk about where do we go from here. Because we can talk about the facts all day, but I want to move forward. I want to talk about what we can do as a community to make sure nothing like this happens again and what we can do as a people to move forward. But one of the things you like, that's an excellent point, Courtney, is that if you're a criminal or you want to do bodily harm to someone, or you have malicious intent, the first thing you're gonna, you're not gonna do, is call the cops. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't shoot somebody while you're on the phone with the cops and expect to get away with it. And I remember when I got my license to carry a few years ago. I remember my father-in-law, my rest in peace to him. He died last year. Um, great man, excellent man. Gave me some great advice, just as a man, second father to me. Uh, he told me, he said. All right, because he had a gun. He was like, you know what? Hey, you you know you with my daughter, <laughs> you know you you this is your job to protect. So he said, and this is private. I haven't even told my wife this, but she you know he told me he said, 
you protect her. You do what you got to do. He's like, but look, when it comes to that gun, he said, you keep it safe, you keep it, you know, locked up, you do what you got to do with it, but if you pull it out and if you use it, you got to be right. He told me that. That was one of the last things he told me. He's like, yo, you make sure you're right. Make sure it's justified. Like, make sure you know what you're doing. And, you know, he told me, you know, he said, research this stuff. Research these laws. Because I know you're out there, you you know what I'm saying, interact, you know, like, make sure you got to be right. And so I guess my point is, is that George Zimmerman, in fact, he actually took a class. That came out during the trial that he actually took a class on stand your ground. Yeah, that the woman testified, his teacher testified. Most people don't know that. You don't hear a lot about that. But again, he was an expert on the stand your ground law. Okay? He he was a, he knew it. He took a class on it. So, I'm pretty sure that you're not going to shoot somebody if you know the law and you're on the phone with the cops and you're and you, you know what I'm saying, it's not done by the book. That would just be unintelligent. That would just be stupid. Like, if you're going to commit a crime, you're going to do something that you where you are not protected under the, the confines of the law, why are you going to call the cops? He felt as though that he was right. That's why he shot him, because he knew the law, and according to him at that time, he was within the, the, you know, the confines of the law. And so it's unfortunate. It's not what, the, what people want to know or believe or hear, but willful intent doesn't apply, which is what the prosecution needed to prove in order to get that guilty verdict. You can't have willful intent but then be on the phone with the cops saying, yo, like, this guy's on something. Like, that's not how it works. So uh, let's go to the phone lines, though. And we're just, we're just talking tonight, man. We're, just, we're keeping it real. We're keeping it honest. Let's go to the phone line, 646-200-0366, talking about the facts of the case. See a call on the line from uh, from Philly, 267-342. Welcome to the Data on Tolbert Show. Hey, Data, this is Mercedes. Um, I just want to say, like, I just recently was on a trial, a jury. I was picked for jury duty. And, I, like, you know, we're human beings. They give a, There's a jury, you know, you're still human beings, and you still have to, There, you know, all laws, just because it's the law doesn't necessarily mean it's right because, there were laws back in the day that were obviously wrong, and they got overturned, and things changed, and you, you know, you have to consider each case. But the thing that stood out was the um, professor. Um, I guess he was Zimmerman's professor, and he said that okay, um, like if I smack, if someone comes up to me and smacks me, I can smack them back. But if someone smacks me and I shoot them, it's not really equal force like if someone you know they were they mentioned how like if someone's hitting you you can hit them back and you can start kicking them or whatever but when you take and you someone hits you and then you shoot them and then you shoot them in the chest when you shoot somebody in the chest your intent is to kill them you know if he could there was a man who recently got robbed in philly there were two men robbing him he shot the man in the arm and in the leg and this man was being robbed so when you use excessive force or excessive use of, you know, you're going to fight back, but you're not even fighting back. You're going to shoot the person in the heart, in their chest. You know you're going, you're, you're killing, you're going to kill them. And that if you were able to get to your gun, you weren't being hurt that bad. And the, even the woman who got on the stand, she said, well, the injuries were nicks. They were not, um, uh, what do you call it? I, didn't, I don't know the term she used. Life-threatening? 
Yeah, they weren't life threatening, but she also used another term to describe like um like a cut or something. But yeah. let me not let me respond. Let me respond and on also, the first thing. Wasn't it raining? The thing about it is that night I I don't know if it was I think they said it was raining that night. So if you're walking around in a hoodie and it's raining and it's nighttime, then you sh- it's raining. So that's why people are wearing a hoodie. Let me respond to the first thing that you said. And I appreciate your call, but one of the things you got to realize is, according to the Stand Your Ground law and in just self-defense in general, yes, you're, and I agree with you, if someone slaps you, you can't just shoot that person. That that would be an excessive use of force. But that's not what we're talking about here. Because what in the context, what George Zimmerman said and what the law says is that if you feel as though your life is in danger, you are allowed to use deadly force. And what the the what happened here, according to his story, that that the prosecution has the burden of proof to disprove, is that Trayvon Martin was using the cement as a weapon by banging his head into the ground. That's why he was saying that he felt. Now I don't necessarily believe this, but his story is that he felt as though his life was in danger because his head was getting banged into the concrete. That's why he was justified in using deadly force, because he felt as though his life was in danger. You see the difference between just a smack? Well, you. my thing is, if he's supposedly, um, if you're big and bad enough to come up to somebody, you think you can fight, you think you can take them. Usually men, like men have told me, you know, you, well, you see a guy and say you get into an altercation, the guy's going to size the person up. Can I take this person? If you, you're not going to walk up to somebody and be like, damn, I know I can't take them. You walk up to somebody, you're like, this is a scrawny kid, or oh, I could take him. But then you, but then when the person um, comes behind or the person has, says, hey, why are you following me? And maybe they do push you or maybe they do hit you. Then you're like, dang, they're stronger than what I thought. Now you want, like, now you, you see what I'm saying? You don't just, and he was but, taking martial arts classes, not saying he really knew what he was doing. See, see, what, but he had all these doing, skills. Let, let me, Either I way, hear, to kill a teenager is wrong. To kill a teenager, no, no, not right, right. now the law, the law is messed up. Now I'm not saying the law, that law needs to be changed because there are women who have been in domestic violence situations that have killed men and gone to jail for 30 years. So I mean, I understand where that could protect somebody, but in certain cases, it ha- it's been done to people. People have been hurt, and they have used, they have stabbed a person, and that person has died, and they've gone to jail. To, to, whether you know whether or not the, the law, I see how the law played out, but the prosecution was was basically wanted to lose the case, the case, if you ask me, because now I'm not even talking. a freaking lawyer, and I could have probably did a better job. Let me thank you for your call. I appreciate the call. You're making some interesting points. I, one thing that you that you said, shooting a teenager is wrong, and I think that that's where we get into the emotional side of it as opposed to the legal side of it. Because as you said, if George, and I agree with you, George Zimmerman walked up to him, and, and sized them up. They most likely sized each other up, right? And like you said, words were exchanged. I do not believe George Zimmerman attacked Trayvon and put his hands on Trayvon. I don't think really anybody believes that. But like you said, Trayvon, you know, George Zimmerman incorrectly assessed Trayvon's ability, and he got his he got his butt beat. Okay, and so did he need to shoot him? No, he did not need to shoot him. I've said that since day one. He did not need to shoot him. However, was shooting him in the context of that situation a crime? No, it was not when you look at the definition of self-defense as well as stand your ground. 
if, and again, we don't know this, but the jury agreed that if Trayvon threw the first punch and was on top of Zimmerman beating him, legally, understand this, legally, not morally, but legally, George Zimmerman had every right to shoot that that man. I'm going to call him a man because I don't, you know, if he's, if he's fighting like a man, he's being, you know, I'm not going to call him a boy, but he had every right to shoot him. Now, that is not, you know, like you said, there's, there's no debate about morally was Zimmerman wrong. That's not the issue. We're talking, that's why I told you at the beginning of the show, we're going to talk tonight. You know, now tomorrow we can go back to CNN and everybody can, you know, go back to protesting. But tonight we're going to talk about things from a legal perspective. And legally, according to Stand Your Ground, according to the definition of self-defense, if Trayvon threw the first punch and was, in fact, on top of him, which the evidence indicates, forensic evidence indicates, well, then legally Zimmerman was justified in the shooting. It's it's not pretty. It's not what people want to hear. But legally, that's the case. But I appreciate the call. Let's go back to the phone lines. Let's see a call from the 314 area code. Welcome to the Data on Tolbert Show. Hey, what's happening, man? How you doing? Good. What's going on? Uh, not much, man. Hey, I um, was calling in to support the show. I also have a show on Blog Talk Radio myself, so I was just calling in to show some love. Also, I wanted to ask you, you're familiar with the Marissa Alexander thing, right? Absolutely. Okay, so why didn't she get the stand-your-ground law treatment? She tried to use that, and she couldn't, even though she only fired warning shots. I don't yeah, understand why, about- and it's in the same state, why is it that Zimmerman can do what he did and gets off, and she gets 20 years, and she was being abused by her significant other? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. Real quick, let everybody know where you're calling in from. I'm uh, calling I'm actually in Kansas City, but I'm from St. Louis. All right, St. Louis, my man. I pre- let, let, here's the thing. It's actually on my list of things to talk about tonight because a lot of people are, familiar, are, are you know passionate about that case in regards to this case. Listen, guys, the two situations have nothing to do with each other, absolutely nothing to do with each, with each other. If you guys and I, I even myself had to research because you know when you focus on the headline and you watch the little you know five minute you know news clip, it appears as though like wait a minute, this is this isn't fair. A black woman gets twenty years, Zimmerman gets off. That's racial. No, it's not racial. What what she did, stand your ground, did not apply. And I I actually. Ironically, the same chick, Angela Corey, prosecuted both cases. And and if you watch CNN, you heard earlier this evening her discussing that case. They she said, "Well, look, the situations were not the same. One, because she stand your ground means you are attacked, and you have no obligation to retreat. You don't have to run. You can stand your ground. You can stay where you're at, and you can use deadly force." If you are attacked, that is not what happened in her case. There was no evidence that he attacked her in that moment. Was there a history of, of, of physical abuse? Yes, that was documented. However, in that moment, she was not being attacked. That's the difference, guys. There was no attack that day. In fact, it, what, uh, what looks like what happened was there was some type of argument, Okay, I, I don't know if he threatened her. I don't know if he cussed her out. I don't know if she went through his phone and saw some naked pictures. I don't know what happened, but there was no attack. There were no, no defensive wounds. 
There was no altercation. She left where she was, went out to the car, came back with a gun. Excuse me. Went out to the car, loaded the gun in the car, came back inside the house, continued the altercation, and then shot a warning shot. And I'm not even going to call it that because what you guys have to realize, and this is what Angela Corey, the prosecutor, said, why explained why she uh, filed these charges because that's a crime. If you if you shoot a gun in a closed environment, there's the possibility of that that bullet ricocheting and hitting someone or something, but mainly someone, which is in reality what happened. She shot the gun into the wall. It ricocheted up into the ceiling. It could have ricocheted and hit one of those kids. Okay, so a lot of people, like I said, they didn't research that. I did. You can't shoot a gun in a house as a warning shot. You can't do that. That's a felony. That's aggravated assault. Just because you shoot a gun at the wall, there's no, there's no uh, assurance that that, that that bullet is going to stay in the wall. In fact, there's a likelihood that the bullet will, will ricochet and hit someone. She could have killed herself, her husband, or the kids that were in the house. So that is why there's a – and this is where it becomes – got to look at it. There is a minimum sentence of 20 years. The law is what it is. Is there a problem with the law? Should the law be changed? We can talk about that. But as the law stands, if you commit a felony, excuse me, if you fire a weapon in the midst of a felony, while committing a felony, you fire a gun, automatic 20 years, no questions asked. That's just it. No questions asked. 20 years, period, end of story. Like there's, there's no way around that. If you, again, if you fire a weapon, while committing a felony, like if you shoot a gun while you're robbing a bank, 20 years, period, end of story. You're going to jail 20 years, no questions asked. That's a felony, you fired a weapon. The felony was aggravated assault. The fact that she fired the weapon, you know, was is where she got the 20 years. So, you know, so obviously, and like I said, there was no, that stand your ground, there was no stand your ground because there was no attack. She was not attacked. Her life was not in danger. She left the danger, if there was danger at all, went out to the car, came back inside. She could have gotten in the car and drove away. She chose to come back inside. You see what I'm saying? So that's, that's not at all stand your ground. It's not even self-defense because there was no crime. Courtney, what do, you, do you have thoughts on that? I mean, a lot of people, they just don't understand what happened and what the case was and about that minimum 20 years. But hopefully now hearing that and research this stuff. All, all I just told you is what I've researched on my own. 20 years minimum. There was, and, in fact, here's the thing, real quick. The judge in the case even said, he was like, honestly, I know your story. I've researched your story, but my hands are tied. He's like, do I think you deserve 20 years? No, but he said, By, based on the law, I am legally obligated to give you the required minimum 20 years because you fired a gun while committing a felony. He had no choice. So, I mean, it's like his hands were tied. So this, these two cases, guys, that's why I'm saying you got to be intelligent. You got to, like, research this stuff. You got to don't just follow the media. 
they're they're here to get entertainment. They're there to get ratings. They're not there to give you the truth and give you the facts and then it be done with. They're there to draw it out. They're there to get media, you know, coverage about these issues. And oh, the, where's the comparison? And that, like, no, that's just the media. There is no comparison here. The situations have nothing to do with each other whatsoever. She would not be in jail if she would have left and got in her car and drove away. She didn't have to shoot that man, or excuse me, shoot at that man, or shoot the gun at all for that matter. Go outside and, and, and stand on the property of a post office, right? Go to the post office, go outside on the steps, shoot a gun up in the air, you're going to jail for 20 years depending on where you live. You're on, you're on state property, you know, federal property, you're firing a gun, that's a felony, you're shooting a gun, you will get 20 years same way she did. No white man, black man, it doesn't matter who does it, you're going to jail for 20 years, period. What are your thoughts, Courtney? Yeah, well, to my understanding um, about that whole case, because I, I kind of heard something a little bit different. Um, you know, you know, her husband saw a text message she was sending her ex-husband or whatever, and so that's what caused the argument in the first place altercation and so um so yeah i do agree like you know she she did fire in the direction of like the children or whatever but what i heard was that after that after the fact um so yeah you do get 20 years but i heard that she had the option of um you know of getting a lesser charge but she didn't want to take that and so then they went to court, and then that's how she got the 20. I think she had the option of only doing, like, three years or something like that, yeah, that's, and that's she didn't want to do it. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, that's that's not even something different. I just chose not to, I mean, because it's irrelevant. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they offered her a plea deal. She turned it down. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, that doesn't change the case. That doesn't, it's just her, she felt that she had a strong case. Her lawyers said that, you know what, you have a strong case, most likely you'll be found not guilty. But she chose to roll the dice, and, and you know what I'm saying? And that's, she lost. I know all about gambling. I used to be a gambler. So some, you win some, you lose some. You know, it is what it is. You, you're playing blackjack, and plenty of times, you, you, know, you split the sixes, you know, you get a, a four, you, you know, you double down, you get, a, you know, get another four, double down again. You get, you know, what I mean? or maybe split them again, double down. Like, you know, you got two hundred dollars on the table. The dealer pulls out twenty one. You lost. You just lost two hundred dollars, two three hundred in one hand. What are you gonna do? You could have won that much, but you, you see what I'm saying? She took the, she rolled the dice. She lost. It's not race. You know what I'm saying? We gotta stop crying race all the time. Everything isn't about race. Sometimes it's just you gotta take responsibility for your actions. She didn't have to shoot that gun. George Zimmerman didn't have to shoot Trayvon. Trayvon didn't have to break Zimmerman's nose. Everyone has a, a, you know, responsibility. That's just what it is. See a call on the line from the 706 area code. Welcome to the Data on Tolbert Show. 706-751, you there? Okay, guess not. All right, well, uh, we'll take more calls. Got about a half hour left. Listen. We're do, I'm doing this show for you guys. This is everyone is passionate about Trayvon. Everybody wants to talk about. It. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about. It. Let's talk about it from an intelligent legal perspective. 
know, and you can even talk talk about it from a, uh, an emotional standpoint. I don't care. I'll just choose to talk about it from a legal perspective. We we can debate. It's okay to debate, but there has to be a conversation other than, oh my gosh, I I can't believe this happened. What do you mean that? What do you mean you can't believe it happened? There was reasonable doubt. That's why it happened. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not, you know, it's not rocket science. Let's talk about some other things that that are important out here. Let's talk. There were some other things I want to talk about, but I really want to touch on where do we as a people go from here? You know, the black community. I mean, we can do what we've been doing. You know, with Sean Bell and and Troy Davis and. Some of these other issues, Trayvon will be the most recent. There will be other Troy Davises. There will be other Sean Bells. There will be more Trayvons, unfortunately. There are Trayvons every day. But what, where do we go from here as a people? And, you know, not let's just forget about this. Let's not, just, let's not act like this never happened and forget about it and just go on. Everybody go back to Disney World after you boycott it for about two weeks. You canceled your vacation you're about to take next week, but you, now you go back next week, next week or next year. I mean, let's just, no, nobody's going to boycott. Nobody's going to be even talking about boycotting. N- not Forget next year, not even in three months. So let's be sensible about this thing. Let's talk about some long-term solutions to these problems. Because everybody says, oh, we can talk and talk and talk. The Data on Tolbert show isn't one of those shows we just talk about stuff and then nothing ever gets done. I change lives. I make things happen. And that's what tonight we've got to do. I want to talk about where we go from here. Now, George Zimmerman's brother... I think his name is Robert uh, Zimmerman. He actually is is a very articulate and well-spoken guy and a very intelligent man, and I I respect his perspective because he was saying a lot of people don't want to really, they kind of try to tune him out, even though he's been on Piers Morgan, he's been on these shows, Anderson, speaking very intelligently about the situation from a legal perspective. And one of the things that he said is that people were trying to make this a race issue, but George Zimmerman is not a racist. You know, and and the funny thing is, George Zimmerman was documented, and, and this is not a it's not a question. He actually tutored black kids. He tutored black kids. He he tutored inner city kids. So this is something that, which is to be real with y'all, a lot more than some of you do out there. A lot of these protesters ain't tutored nobody in their lives. Not only have they not tutored anybody, they haven't been a big brother. They don't even do a, a, a darn thing positive in the black community. I mean, let's be real. Most of these protesters don't vote. They don't, you know, they don't. They won't even freaking pick up a piece of trash that's, you know, on their neighbor's lawn. Let alone tutoring somebody. And I'm not. I don't know George Zimmerman. I haven't done research on, you know, him being. An, I'm not going to call him a, a model citizen, you know, or anything like that. Although I will say I respect the fact that he wanted, he at least took an interest in making sure that his neighborhood was safe. That's more than a. I mean, see, that's the thing. See, nobody wants to talk about this. Yes, it shouldn't have happened. No, yes, he was an o, a little overzealous, but at least he was passionate about. I'm not making excuses for him. But I'm just saying I respect the fact that he was passionate about cleaning up his neighborhood. He said there had been a, a, a string of burglaries in the neighborhood. And he was tired of it. And guess what? I'm tired of it too. I'm tired of all these burglaries. I'm tired of the fact that there's all these crimes in the black community. And this was someone who was trying to do something about it. Now, again, I don't believe he went about it the right way with a gun. There there definitely were better ways to handle that. 
the crime in the neighborhood and, and you know, not really profiling anybody, you know. But at least he was doing something. Are you guys on your neighborhood watch? When you see drug deals going down, do you call the cops? When you hear these domestic violence going on at 3 o'clock in the morning, do you, do you, you know, do anything? No. Keep it real. No. You see what I'm saying? Like, what do you do? What are you doing in your hood to make it better for us as a people? I know what I do. I know what Courtney does. But what do you do? You understand that? There's no topic we haven't touched on over the last six years. No one can think of a topic we, can, we haven't discussed that's, that the black community needs to have discussed. We've talked about it all. We've done We've taken action. I've been a mentor. I've gone into these inner city schools and done presentations uh, on uh, to these sixth graders and fifth graders. I used to coach fourth grade bas- uh, boys and, and fifth grade girls basketball uh, years ago, you know, at the rec center. These are things that I've been passionate about doing. I spend time with my nephew, you know, just bought him a bike the other day. I mean, these are things that we need to do as a people. What are you doing? Or are you just talking? Or are you just protesting? Are you, I forgot, you want a boycott so that these corporations can lay off more people. You guys really think they care about your boycott? They will lay off everybody and add to the unemployment before they'll be their, their paychecks will take a hit. So now what? Now their unemployment is rate more. And guess who's going to be laid off? It's not these white executives. It's the janitors. It's the blacks. It's the, you know what I'm saying? It's the minimum wage workers, the people who, who are in the field, so to speak. Those are the ones that are going to suffer from your boycott. See, so, so you may want to rethink that because you're really not doing anything productive. You want to do, do something productive, let's mentor these kids so they're not on Twitter calling themselves no-limit nigger, so they're not smoking weed, so they're not cussing and, and carrying on and putting their middle fingers up at the camera and sticking people up and robbing and raping and killing. My older brother was punched in the face for no reason. So we were walking, me and my brother and my sister, my two brothers and my sister were walking around when we were little kids. Somebody said, yo, my man, you got a quarter? He said, no, nah, I got a quarter. Pop punched him right in the face for no reason. That was for no reason. Imagine what Trayvon did when George Zimmerman followed him and approached him. He actually had a reason to punch him in the face. You understand that, guys? We have to start teaching our youth that there are, I've seen people beaten. I was in college one time. I saw this guy beaten. He was dancing. He, I guess he approached a young woman that happened to be there at the party with some other guy. He didn't know. It was a crowded house party, and he beat him up. They were fighting, and he, and he guy won the fight, got the best of him. Guy pulls out a knife. It's my first party, first day in college. First party. Anybody who came in college with me probably remembers this. He was on top of him. He was like, he said, now what, nigga? Yeah, put out the knife. And everybody like, yo, 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 chill, chill. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Dog, no, they were like, yo, don't do it. You don't got to do that. You don't got to. Dude was knocked out, practically all bloody. Just about to kill him for no reason. We need to get that out of them. We need to get them out of that mentality. Because too many of our youth have, carry guns. You guys realize that, right? Like, these kids out here carry guns. Everybody carries a gun now. It just so happens that mine happens to be legal. But a lot of these kids out here younger than Trayvon, are carrying illegal firearms. Back in the day, I didn't even know where to get a firearm at that age. I didn't even know where to buy weed from at that age. 
even if I was going to smoke it. These kids are getting weed. They're smoking it. My father knew where I was at all times. My mother knew where I was at all times. My wife was, was, and I were driving around the other day. We see kids walking around. And we're coming back from uh, our anniversary, going to pick up our daughter. And this kid's like a group of like seven kids at, at like midnight just walking around. I'm like, where the heck are you going? It's midnight. Where are these parents? What are they doing out there on a summer night at midnight? I know I was in bed at midnight. You understand that? That's where we go from here. We have to start raising our kids. We have to start showing them positive influences. We have to show them that there's a better life. In fact, I said online, I said, fellas, this got like 200 thumbs up. I said, fellas, if you know a young man who looks like he could use a mentor or some type of direction in his life, don't be afraid to step up because our black men, our young men are under attack from all directions, the school system, entertainment, politics, the judicial system, the legal system. You don't have to be a father to be a great father figure for someone without one. Okay? You don't have to be. It just so happens I'm a father. But I wasn't always a father. When I was going to the inner city schools, I didn't have no kids. I, I wasn't a father. But I was still playing that role. I was still helping women, you know, deal with dead, getting deadbeats out of their lives and replacing those men with positive influences for their sons and for their daughters. That's what I do. What do you do? What are you doing other than protesting? What are you doing other than complaining? For, the, for many of you, the answer to that question is nothing. So again, I'll say as I said earlier, if you're not doing anything, you have no right to be complaining and even worrying about somebody else's child when your children are in the street or you're not doing anything to change the problem. You live up there in Chicago, Courtney. You know it's a lot of young men out there in gangs, carrying guns, committing crimes, and nobody, not only are people not protesting, people really don't even care. Right. They don't. It's almost as if um, we've just become used to it. And and that's unfortunate. Is we become used to it to the point of complacency, and it should never be that way. You know, you shouldn't just be like, okay, well, yeah, it's violence in the community, but that's just how it is. It's not going to change. That's that's pretty much the attitude here. Absolutely. And and the irony, the irony in all of this is that if if Trayvon was white and George Zimmerman was black, no one would would care that he... And not only would they not care that he was found not guilty, but they would be happy that he was found not guilty. And that's the that's the biggest crime right there. That's the that's the biggest tragedy, is that, that, that we as a community have become so hypocritical. Because there's not a person who would disagree with me. I mean, nobody would fight, nobody would protest if this situation was wrong. And even based on all the facts, all the information that we have, if if the if the races were reversed, and like I said, Zimmerman is Hispanic, but let's just say this, you know what I'm saying? Like act like people act like there's not black on Hispanic crime every day. You know what I mean? Like half of these gang initiations are yo go kill somebody real quick, like randomly. I used to watch Gangland like every day. 
That's what happens. They will kill. Like, if you're in it, trying to get into a game, they're like, yo, just go shoot somebody for no reason. And that happens every day all around the country. And no one cares. But for some reason, because the media tells you that George Zimmerman is white, oh, then it must be a, a crime. It must be a You see what I'm saying? This really wasn't even a crime. Because, again, legally, if Trayvon threw the first punch, self-defense applies. Stand your ground applies. And so that's what we really got to do is don't don't make it about race. Make it about what's right or wrong. You know, don't if if there's reasonable doubt for Troy Davis, then there's reasonable doubt for George Zimmerman. If there's reasonable doubt for OJ, then it should be reasonable doubt for George Zimmerman. All three of these cases, there was doubt. So you got to let's at least if we're going to protest, if we're going to be up in arms, we at least got to be consistent about it. Okay, a couple other points that I wanted to make, and the last thing, I, and I saved this for the end, um, was I said online on uh, what was it Su- uh, Saturday night, late Saturday night, I said, man, w- with all this uh, drama and, and protest and you know and things of that nature, I, I I sure hope you guys are going to church Sunday morning because. Everyone is so focused on the the battle, and I use that word specifically, the battle of black versus white, and they're losing sight of the, the much bigger issue, which we talk about regularly here on the show, uh, the war of good versus evil, God versus Satan, the devil versus Jesus Christ. And people are so passionate about this whole black versus white thing. But black versus white isn't going to matter on Judgment Day. There's not spiritual warfare. You know what I'm saying? There's spiritual warfare out here that's much deeper than George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin. There's blasphemy out here. There's satanic influences in government, in the media. You know, look, turn on CNN right now. What colors do you see? Red, black, white, and silver. Right now, those are the colors of the satanic flag. Red, black, white, and silver. You will see that color scheme everywhere you look in America. There's a reason for that, and it's because there's a major issue. Turn on CNN right now. Do it. Red, black, white, and silver. Don't act like you don't see it. That's not a coincidence. Everything is red, black, white, and silver because these people are worshiping Satan. And so what I'm telling you guys is be less fo- – I mean, I'm not saying don't protest and don't stand up for, for equal rights and things like that, but don't forget about the war at hand, which is the, the battle between good and evil. Because that's really, at the end of the day, all that matters. Any thoughts on that, Courtney, before we get the heck up out of here? Tired of talking. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a really good point um, that I think – you know, went over a lot of people's heads because it, it is so much going on, um, so many laws that have been passed while this trial has been going on that people don't know about. Um, and so it is important just to keep God first and just to know what what's really going on because I think a lot of us, we get so caught up in, in everything else that we lose sight of what's most important. And so, um, so yeah, that that was a good point. Yeah, man. So I mean, it's it's weird. It's like as passionate as you guys are about Trayvon, I want to see some statuses. I mean, can we see some Bible verses in the morning? I'm just saying. Right. I'm just asking. I mean, is that is that too much to ask? And I'm not judging. 
you know, you do what you do, you know, but if, you know, if you're passionate enough to update your status about Trayvon and George Zimmerman and all types of other things that really don't mean anything, I mean, I'm just asking, can you can you give God some praise? You know, can you share a testimony or are you scared to? Or are you scared to praise God publicly? You'll protest publicly, but you won't praise God publicly. That's the real problem out here. You know, I mean, let's let's really make some people uncomfortable. Because people thought, oh, yeah, we're just going to talk about George Zimmerman. No, 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 no. No, if you can talk about George Zimmerman and you can express your dishate, your, your, excuse me, your dislike for the legal system and almost your hatred for George Zimmerman, I would at least think you could share your love for Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I think that's only right. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, Courtney, is that right? Is that okay? Yeah, but here's the thing. The the love isn't there for a lot of people. Right. So, well, and, and that's the problem. Look, guys, I had a, a an extensive outline. I'm scrolling through it right now. I think we've covered everything. I don't think there was any stone un, unturned, any issue that, you know, pertaining to this case that we didn't touch on. Uh, I knew that this would not be a uh, – I'm not going to say it wouldn't be a popular show. I mean, I know there are going to be a lot of people who listen to this show who have been listening live and even more people who will be listening tomorrow. We get a lot of people who listen at work on iTunes and, you know, things like that while they're at their desk and things like that, working out the following day and even on the weekends when they can get caught up. So this will be one of those shows that people listen to uh, for for days and weeks and maybe even years to come. Uh, but I would just encourage you guys because, you know, they weren't, like I said, the phone lines were not flooded tonight. They weren't. I'm not going to say they lie to you. They weren't. But there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that because if I was if I was out there saying all types of crazy stuff, these lines would have been lit up and people would have been cussing me out. You you know that and I know that. You listening right now? If I would have been talking crazy, yeah, you you yourself would have called in and cussed me out. But I wasn't talking crazy, was I? Right? I was speaking from a legal perspective, and everything that I said has been correct. You may not like it, but it hasn't been wrong. It may not be nice to hear or pleasant to hear, but I encourage you to think of things intelligently, maturely, and, from, and like I said, from a legal perspective. And if you want to feel upset, then feel upset. But you've got to separate and compartmentalize, you know, anger versus, you know, anger and emotion versus what the law says. Be mad as hell at George Zimmerman for doing what he did because I'm mad at him. I don't want anyone to take away from this show. Dadon likes Zimmerman. He supports him. Now, I don't support Zimmerman at all. And for about the 11th time, I believe that, you know, if they bring a, a civil suit against him for the death of Trayvon, I would support that because I believe him to be civilly responsible for the death of Trayvon because he shouldn't have followed him and he did not have to shoot him. Uh, however, legally... It, you know, it just reasonable doubt. There was no basis to convict him for second degree murder. If anything, they should have tried him for manslaughter. Maybe they would have. They probably would have got a, a conviction just off of a motion for a manslaughter. But because Angela Corey was so ambitious and so overzealous to charge him with second degree murder, which clearly wasn't applicable here, they just threw the whole case away. I mean, you know, if y'all have questions or comments, 
Speak Now, Forever Hold Your Peace. Any last points that you yourself wanted to make, Courtney? I appreciate you for being here. Oh, thank you. Um, no, I don't have any last points to make regarding uh, the case. Um, I will say I I really, really um, enjoyed the show. Um, it just cleared up um, a lot of misconceptions. I know a lot of people, you know, had, and um, it was just awesome. It was just great. You did such a great job, I want to tell you. So I can't wait till the next show. Well, speaking of the next show, the next show is tomorrow. Guys, we you know, I had to get this off my chest. I told you, I've done well over a 1,000 shows. You know, we're over 3 million downloads on iTunes. But honestly, I don't, you know, I was waiting for 9 o'clock to get here for the last two days. I could not wait to do tonight's show. And I hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you, you learned some things. But we are back live tomorrow for Barbershop Talk Tuesdays. The fellas will be here with me. We're actually going to be talking about summertime fashion faux pas. I like that title, Summertime Fashion Faux Pas, what we as men look for uh, from a from a physical perspective, you know, from a fashion perspective, what we're seeing out here, the effects that it has, you know, in the black community. We're going to have a little bit more fun. This was a heavy topic. This was an emotional topic. We're off it. I'm, I, hopefully I can be done talking about this Zimmerman case. I just want to let Trayvon rest in peace and just be done with it, Zimmerman. The court has spoken. The jury has spoken. It is what it is. We don't like it, but... It happened. Let's move on. Let's get back to doing what we do. And uh, that's it, guys. You already know if you need counseling or anything of the sort, call 855-55-DATON. Uh, email DATON at trctoday.com. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter. Everything is at DATON Tolbert. And uh, that's it, guys. This is a little Otis Redding for y'all, and I'll see y'all tomorrow night. Peace. Oh, I said, brother, I said, brother, I'm down on my knees.